0: Hey, this is JD Webb. I'm here with Vicky Rowe, owner of Gotmead.com and AJ Ermans, an accomplished mead and winemaker tonight. We're going to be talking. We're going to be taking you to St. James, Missouri, and talking to Casey Stuck at Eagle Landing Winery and Meadery. Plus, an update on the Pumpkin Pie Project. Nutrients are they all created equal? Ask Oscar. Talks about competitions, all that and more. Go get your mead. Join us. Get your phone too. Got Mead Live starts in less than thirty seconds. You know, I should, I, I really need to learn to put my glasses, my other glasses on when we go live. That way everything will be right there.
1: <laughs> yeah. You say that like every week, Every, time. we should staple them to your head. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, I just, I, you know, when I went to the eye doctor, they, they gave me like three sets of glasses. I told them I absolutely refuse to wear contacts and have them double lens deals. Uh, Oh, you got bifocals. uh, Oh my God, bifocals. I had one pair and they drove me nuts.
1: Oh, you just got to get the right ones because I wear bifocals. And um, uh, I I was, the contacts drove me nuts until we found the right thing. And then they were awesome, which (laughs) also let me shoot more things and actually break stuff that I wasn't able to hit before i can see it you know so there that was really cool yeah
0: well this isn't about jd's eyesight this is about god be live and uh, throw a shout out to luke dolkis tonight uh, a little friend of mine actually a little he's not so little anymore i've known this young man since he was i don't know probably 12 years old uh, he lives in portland he and his family uh, portland oregon that is uh, and like I said, known him for a very, very, very long time. He lives on some property up in Oregon that has tons of grapevines. I was talking to him the other day about making mead. He says when, what they don't eat, they turn into wine. And uh, I told him he ought to start making mead with those grapes. So a uh, big shout out to Luke Dolkis out there in Portland, Oregon. Um, what are we drinking tonight?
1: Um, I went digging in the stash and I found a bottle of Vinland Piment from Brimminghorn Meadery, who sadly will not be able to be on the show during this series. Uh, John Talkington had to work and he works at uh, Dogfish Head. He's a he's a a brewing guy at Dogfish Head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um,
2: yeah.
1: About eight, eight, nine years ago, he and I connected up at Maryland Ren Fair and he brought me a bag of booze.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I got like bottle of wine. I got some money. I had to be Vicky's here. best friend.
2: It's, yeah, it's good to be Vicky
1: at times like that. But um, it was really cool. So I've had this this Vinland piement of his stashed for years and it was down there in the cellar and i went i'm like ooh! so i stuck it in the fridge to chill it and it survived rather well it's a little oxidized it's um a teeny little bit Venus because it's grape and you know it's grape sun honey so it's a pie but it's actually pretty good it's held up well for the years so i'm impressed it's a nice drink semi-sweet beautiful red color clear as a bell and uh, you know, yeah, I'm going to
0: finish the bottle. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know there's. I'm not. I'm not the only newbie out there. what what, a, what is a pie mint again?
1: A pie mint is a mead made with grapes.
0: Oh, there you go. So, honey,
1: grapes, and yeast, basically. So, it's uh, grapes get their own categorization. You know, it's not a berry. It's not a berry melomel. It's or any other kind of melomel. It's a pie mint. Right. So, yeah, and that that's actually a fairly popular um there's there's a, probably a dozen or more meteries that have good piments my very first taste of be nectar was there they had a wild berry piment which i have a tiny little bottle of that i just fell in with. when i found this i found that and i'm like oh. so, that's so you can show. you can
0: mix other things in it but it it has to have grape in order to be a piment right
1: Right, but the moment you add, like, uh, oak or another fruit or a spice or something like that, then it goes into the other, if you're competing, it goes into the other category, otherwise known as Mm weirdamels. So everything that doesn't have a specific designation goes there. We call it weirdamels because it's more fun that
0: way. Well, yeah, it seems to be, you know, all the ones that I make would probably go into the other category. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and for those of you that are going, I have no idea what she's talking about. Um, the, <coughs> sty- the styles that we're talking about here are the BJCP uh, defined styles. And you can learn more about those at BJ, B as in boy, J, C as in cat. P is in pony, dot org, and they actually have a whole sheet that defines what is a pymet, what is a melmel, what is a methylene, and so forth and so on for the various uh, competition legal categories.
0: Yeah, whatever you do, don't go to Wikipedia and look for them because you'll be there for a few days. There's literally hundreds of... And hundreds of them. <laughs> so hmm. I should look that one up and uh Well,
1: uh, that entire list basically got lifted off a of GM. Oh and yeah. put on Wikipedia, yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm drinking uh this Chaucer's uh I was actually cleaning out the fridge saying, Okay, what what meat do I have left? And it's you know uh, I've got like a swallow left on all these bottles. And uh, there were <laughs>
1: more. Uh, T- time to make
0: room in the fridge before the yeah. work gets mad at you. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. there's uh, There was a little more in this Chaucer's bottle than there was in all the other ones in there. So I grabbed the Chaucer's bottle. So uh, that's what I'm drinking tonight. AJ. Cot's um, cream
3: soda because I'm on anti inflammatories again. Oh, man. That's, uh, and I like my liver and I like my kidneys, so. <laughs> there you go. So I'll work, I'll, I'll give my. Uh, <laughs> catch, you'll catch up later, huh? I'll give, I'll give my, um, um, what's it called that makes insulin? I'll give that a workout tonight instead.
0: <laughs> Your liver. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, welcome to Got Mead Live here on a Tuesday night. Uh, we're glad that uh, you could all be with us here tonight. Yeah, I always start out the show talking about the patron uh, membership, 25 bucks a year. Uh, and if you haven't, please go get that access and help us out with the guy. Actually, help Vicki out with the gotme.com website. That does go to help pay for, uh, you know, all, all of the things that you see uh, at uh, gotme.com, including, uh, you know, some of what you listen to here on Got mead Live. So uh, the patron membership, check it out on gotme.com in the forum there the facebook got me i think everybody already knows where that is and if you want to twitter us during the show uh you can do that at got me now and uh, i think vicky's uh
1: yeah i have the twitter feed up and running so yeah yeah. i keep an eye on it we're in the show it's fun jumping back and forth between the radio show overview the twitter feed and
0: and and my skype feed yeah so if you can't call us tweet us so. or Skype us or Skype you know. us yeah uh, we are on Skype uh, however you'd have to go to type in JDWeb61 and somehow we'll find you that's how you get on Skype here at got mead, uh, mead Live um, ask Oscar just simply go to the GodMead.com website if you've got a question about your mead you're having some difficulty uh, you want to know something more uh, you don't necessarily have to be having any issue with your mead. If you just simply have a question about what you're doing, or you know what works with this, or or a, uh, a recipe question, uh, go to the Ask Oscar uh, link. I believe it's right there under the uh, radio show link there on Godmead.com. Vicky. Yes, it
1: is. It's uh, if you just put your mouse over the radio show link, you don't even have to click it. Ask Oscar will
2: pop up.
0: Yeah, when you go there, please fill out the information as complete uh, as uh, as possible. Uh, without you know pertinent information about your recipe or your question, it's very difficult for Oscar to be able to answer that uh, that question and give you an you know an answer at least that you could live with or not. Yeah,
1: here's an example: my uh, Christmas spice mead that I made tastes funny. What's wrong? bad question my Christmas spice mead that I made has a strange taste and it's kind of like this this and this here's the recipe and my entire brew log with everything that I noted down including the room temperature um, the fermentation temperature the uh, initial and ongoing gravity uh, the type and amount of yeast that I use the type and amount of ingredients that I use and every other little niggly detail including how you held your mouth while music was playing good question. Okay, so we're talking detail here. I mean, seriously, the the room temperature, if your room that you're making your meat in is 70 degrees, depending on the yeast that you're using, that could be your problem. And if we don't know what it was, we'll have no way of, of backwards engineering that. We can't get inside your head or your meat yeah. without your help. So. We love to answer the questions, but if you don't put in details, we're not going to chase you down and ask you for them. We all got real jobs, That except J.D. J.D. does what he wants. But the rest of us <laughs> have real jobs. And, and stay pretty busy, so we really can't chase you down to get those details. So please give them to us when you initially do it, because we really do want to answer your questions.
0: You bet. And the call-in number tonight, as always, get your pen, uh, pencil out and uh you know put this number on your uh, speed dial on your smartphone 818-921-4680 One more time, 818-921-4680, the show link, gotme.com website. Simply click on the live radio deal up there, it'll take you right to the page, and you can listen in live. You can take us with you also, you can download the app from tunein.com for Android and iOS devices. I don't know why they just don't say Apple, but... uh, Apple and Android devices from TuneIn.com. Replays are always available on GotMe.com You can take those with you too if you download the SoundCloud app iTunes as well also on Stitcher Radio. We're just trying to get the show way out there and get more people to come in and listen live so uh, we're glad you're hanging out with us here tonight. We're gonna step away, take a commercial break when we come back. Casey Stuck from Eagles Landing. Sit tight we'll be back. from the most amazing and creative alcoholic beverages made from honey. Bee Nectar is a worldwide sensation. Bee Nectar gives their fans a variety of options from their famous zombie killer, a hard cider made with honey and cherries to kill all the golfers, a lightly carbonated draft mead made with black tea and lemon juice. Bee Nectar makes mead, ciders, and beers that extend beyond the traditional. They let their imaginations guide them. Learn more at bee nectar.com. That's bee nectar with a K dot If you're a mead maker, you need gotmead.com. It is the absolute best and most complete resource for mead making you will ever need. The forum consists of recipes, discussion on equipment, techniques, and methods, complete with its own batch calculator. Gotmead.com offers everything you need to start making mead today. And for just $25 a year, as a patron member, you'll have access to proven award-winning recipes, fermentation management, equipment discussion, and a whole lot more. Gotmead.com. Sign up today. Growing up in a culture where home winemaking was a way of life, Sergio Mutella naturally began making wine himself as an adult, finding his way into brewing beer and eventually his discovery of mead. Earning numerous mead making awards, Melovino opens his doors, becoming the first meadery in the Garden State. Featuring 20 different craft meads with amazing variety, Melovino is the fastest growing meadery in the country. Melovino offers tastings and tours every weekend, and all of their meads are available online, shipping to 22 states across the country. Go to Melovino.com and book your tour and tasting today, located at 2933 Vauxhall Road near the rear of the Millburn Mall in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Melovino.com. Hey, this is JD Webb from Got Mead Live. You know, it's all about the mead here at Got Mead, and I have to tell you, I am in love with Fling from Moonlight Meadery. The way they balance the tartness from the rhubarb against the semi-sweet strawberry and orange blossom honey is just amazing. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some Moonlight Meadery Meads now. Visit them at their online store at MoonlightMeadery.com forward slash store or ask for it where you shop. Demand it where you shop. Ask for Moonlight Meadery Meads. And we are back live here on Got Me Live, and uh, tonight, uh, ladies, all the way from, uh, I believe it's St. James, Missouri, Vicki, if I read the uh, the notes correct, Casey Stuck well, joins us.
1: Yeah, Casey, you're actually in two places, aren't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, we're two places, but we're only about five miles apart. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Excellent. Well, welcome to the show, Casey. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So, you were telling me that you guys opened up about eight months ago.
4: Uh, well, our store actually opened about three months ago. Our winery ah, okay. just
1: opened. Oh, okay, okay, cool. So you guys are just this side of the line. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, just so, so what was what was your defining moment? You know, I mean, like the finding need moment. When did you when when where did you stu- stumble over it?
4: Uh, Well, mostly it started when I was in high school, just reading through different literature. And then uh, after Eric, my business partner, he turned 21, he actually bought me my first bottle of mead, and it was from Redstone Meadery in Colorado. Uh, Okay. But ever since then, you know, I'd always been interested. And then a few years later, we actually started making it at home, and now here we are. Cool.
1: How long was it between tasting that Redstone and like making the decision to actually go pro and start doing it to start, you know, the process.
4: Uh, that was probably five years ago. So not, okay. not very long.
1: Okay, cool. Well, that's really neat. So you said you were doing a wine too in, in the emails that we were flipping back and forth. Are you doing both wine and mead? At your yes. place? Okay.
4: Tell yeah, us Aaron- a little, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, Well, mainly, uh, Eric specializes in the the grape wines, and I specialize in the mead side, so we have kind of that split partnership thing.
1: Okay. Now, are you guys going to be doing a pie mint?
4: We will. Uh, Just in kind of home experiments, we've done a uh, Riesling orange blossom pie mint. Oh, my God. It it came (laughs) out fantastic. Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: Well, when that goes into bottles, I want one. Maybe All more right. than one. Okay. okay. Cause I, I adore Rieslings and I really love orange blossom honey. So I, I want to taste that one.
4: I felt like a, a perfect match there.
1: Oh yeah. That that, that'll be. work. That'll work really nice. It'll be interesting to see how it comes out. So where in Missouri are you guys geographically speaking?
4: Uh, geographically, we're just off center. Uh, we're about an hour and a half Southwest of St. Louis.
1: Oh, okay. Hour and a half. Okay. So, okay, cool. So you're like halfway between St. Louis and where my grandmother used to live in Girard, which is like a little pimple on the map of Kansas thing. Right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. My, my mother has family in Girard. So yeah, we're, we're somewhere in there.
1: Oh, you know where? It, oh my God. <laughs> you yeah. know where it is? Hardly anybody ever does. It's, it's like my hometown. People are like, where? <laughs> you know. So to hear if somebody recognize it. Yeah. My, my grandmother lived there um, a good chunk of her life and my mom grew up there. So it's, uh, I've been there twice. Once when yeah. I was a kid and then once uh, for my grandmother's funeral. So, no, three times because I also went for 80th birthday, dinner funeral. funeral. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I've I've, not, I've got uh, family down there still, not in Girard, but my uncle lives in uh, Overland Park.
4: Oh, very nice. I used to work there.
1: Oh, okay. But yeah, when I, I go out there, I usually try to visit the Purtle guys, so now I've got another meadery to try to get to the next time I come out for a visit. Yeah, there you go. So how uh, when you guys opened your doors? What were you doing? What did you decide you were going to do to start bringing in business? What was the plan?
4: Well, most of it with the just a taste location, that's kind of our main thing right now. You know, it's a wine bar, a tap room, a cocktail lounge and a small bistro. So that was kind of our big pull. There's nothing really that offers the variety or selection that we have here in town.
1: Yeah, I saw your reviews online. People are like, Oh my God, they have everything. You know, there was a lot of that going on.
4: Yeah. We're very, we're very pleased with how the community and just people in general are kind of taken to the idea.
1: Yeah. I think it's amazing. Is the area where you are, is it, um, is there a big town there or is it more of the sort of small Midwestern sort of town? Things. Well, we're, we're kind of equidistant
4: from Springfield and St. Louis, so there's really not that much around us. Um, uh-huh. the, the closest large place is the, is the Missouri capital, Jeff City, yeah. and, and a little further than that, you know, Columbia, Missouri, home of the Tigers.
1: Right, so, go Tigers. Exactly. Okay, so, so you've got some good-sized metro areas within uh, day-tripping distance. Right from you. Okay. Do you see a lot of people coming in from the cities or, or is it more local traffic or I don't know if you're Mark, you know, monitoring that or not?
4: Well, the majority of it is uh, fairly local, uh, but we've, we've seen a few people from the St. Louis area.
2: What,
4: uh,
1: okay. What's the, what's the thought around uh, sucking the folks out of the city and getting them to come out and, and check out your spread?
4: Well, um, here in St. James, there's a restaurant called Sibyl's uh-huh. and she's kind of the, she's one of the most upscale type restaurants in the area. And we know of a bunch of people that come to St. James just for Sibyl's. Oh, uh-huh. so we're kind of just piggybacking off of what people already know of Sibyl and she sends people our way. So it's very symbiotic down here.
1: Yeah. Well, as it should be, I mean, small towns are like that. It's one of the things I love about having grown up in one. Right. Um, did you have you guys talked to them about uh doing joint things
4: um actually we have uh two weeks ago three weeks ago now uh, we had our grand opening celebration for kind of celebrating the grand opening of just a taste but also celebrating the grand opening of the, our eagles landing winery and meadery because we had we'd gotten our state license that same week nice so she ha- she came over and she actually catered a wine pairing dinner that we did oh cool yeah.
1: Those are, those are a lot of fun to do. That, oh, yeah. That's, that's cool. I like that. So when you guys were setting this thing, JD's got like a list of things he wants to know. <laughs> he always has this. <laughs> um, what was it when you guys went into this, were you ready for all of the costs that you got hit with as you went through the process?
4: Uh, yes and no. Uh, Eric's, Uh, family has a a separate company and they're kind of helping us finance everything. But for most of our inventory and equipment purchases, we Eric and I had to go out and source the funds ourselves. So that was very daunting when you go to the bank and you're pulling out, you know, a huge loan (laughs) Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs)
4: when you're starting with no money to,
0: and they ask you, what is mead? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, you, and you have to be prepared to explain it in a way a banker will feel as good. That's the really right. tough thing. It's not yep. just get them to know what it is, but get them to understand that it's viable.
4: This is, right. is be, the hard part. We had so many articles just about, you know, the rise of mead now, as opposed to, you know, what it was in the eighties and kind of its resurgence. So we think that kind of helped out quite a bit. Yeah,
1: I get a lot of emails of people going, Can you give me a history of mead since the 70s for my bank loan application? I'm like, I wish I could.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because they want, I mean, I could
1: tell you what meads have been coming out, but I can't tell you like the growth from year to year. It's not something that got tracked. Nobody can track it. You know, you have to actually get get the meteries to cough up because the feds don't track it separately yet. Hopefully someday, you know, but (laughs) we're not there yet. So it sounds like you guys had a good idea and kind of went after it i'm gonna i'm gonna hand you off to uh to uh aj and jd because they've got just a pile of stuff i know they want to ask and i tend to hog these things so guys
0: (laughs) well what uh casey what what came first the the mead or the bistro or was that all part of the big plan or uh what did you start out with first
4: Uh, well, the mead actually came first, uh, from when we started our initial planning in, uh, last last spring. So probably around Easter of 2014 is when we actually started formulating all the plans for, for our store location and the the winery location. Um, it'd been about three years before that, that we'd actually started making wine and mead. And then we, after, um, after going to Mazer Cup and entering a few of my meads, um, one of them, my sweet traditional, got third place in the category for home brewing. So we felt like that was a, a nod to go ahead with it.
0: Yeah. What was uh, was there any particular inspiration uh, when you decided, hey, let's start a meadery, or did it just kind of all fall into place, or? Uh, I mean, is this, uh, was some kind of a vision that you had or, uh, what, what was the inspiration behind the whole thing? Uh,
4: well, mostly it was just, you know, Eric and I, we'd started making wine and meat at home because it was cheaper than going out and buying it. Uh, but we, you know, we, we'd always joked about, you know, what would happen if, you know, what, what would happen if we actually opened one and, and our families separately had kind of been like, you know, we see you and Eric. Opening up a winery someday, and when we finally told everybody that we were going to do it, they're like, "Why? You're so young. Why would you take all this on? You know, that's kind of like a retirement." Oh. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, we're, we're just going for it. I mean, what's what better time than now?
0: What were you doing before you decided to open a meadery? <laughs> that's where it gets
4: complicated. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Eric had been studying music and was getting ready to go to grad school, and and was teaching music. And I was working in a pathology lab, dissecting body parts. <laughs> oh, right, I'm just gonna
1: technique at least. I'm just gonna jump in here and go, you. <laughs> <laughs> come on.
3: You're not oh, alone. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> we make stuff out of yeast farts. Right. You know, if he
1: comes up with a if he comes up with a mead called rotten corpse pyment, I'm not drinking it. I'm just saying.
3: Oh, come on. <laughs> that definitely goes in the weirdo
1: mel category
0: (laughs) bloody bloody eyeball mel mel or something i don't know oh god
2: and and,
3: and
0: that's a good (laughs) halloween (laughs) episode right
1: yeah well continue the ridiculous (laughs) sidebar casey go ahead and enter that in the cup in in the maser cup as a uh As a uh, weirdo male, and I'll see if I can get on that table, and then I'll record it, and you'll hear the people going, "Well, I just can't smell the rotting body parts."
2: <laughs> <Right>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to knock him twelve points because the ode to gangrene just is not coming out in this.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. oh, <brother. laughs>
0: All right, right I'm, done. I'm sorry. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, go ahead, go go ahead, AJ.
3: <laughs> I was just wondering, um, have you settled on any favorite ingredients yet? Like uh, a favorite yeast, or
4: you know, fruits that you always use, that type of thing. Uh, one of my favorite ones is actually just using uh, oranges and lemons. I think it makes for a very nice, uh, a dry, melomel. Using k one K1V and EC11118, I've used before. Those are, that's one of my favorite ones and especially if you get a little oak on it becomes a lot more uh there's a lot more character to it
0: cool <laughs> what um uh, what, what was your biggest difficulty casey in in opening up the metery? uh probably probably just the amount of
4: paperwork um you know, filing things with the federal government, getting those back, filing with the state, and then even now trying to get formulas approved. I mean, that's taking the longest part so far. Yeah, it was the hardest hardest part of the whole process was probably getting the federal government and the state government to kind of talk about our setup because we found out in talking with our state agent that the way we have things set up, we have a non-contiguous premises license through the federal government because our we have one area where we're doing the meat production and then outside of town is where we do the grape wine production. And that was okayed by the federal government, but then the state government wasn't quite sure what they were supposed to do with that because uh, according to them, they haven't done anything like that for at least 20 years
0: what um you know we, we've talked to other meteries and uh you know there always there seems to be this issue with the federal government of course understanding the fact that mead is you know something new in the you know uh, alcohol market i guess you'd call it um what was it like working working with the federal government I mean uh, um, do they know what meat is now or or how did you find that experience well um,
4: I'm not too sure about you know kind of the whole process with them Uh, Eric was doing a lot of the paperwork for that I was just kind of supplementing you know kind of where I could Um, but just in trying to explain what we were going to do that was probably the hardest part And I mean, i have just in the, within the last month I'd submitted my first formulas. So I haven't heard anything back from those yet. Yeah. But that'll be an interesting process explaining to them, you know, what, what meat is and, and you know, why we want to do it the way we are. So
0: if you had it to do all over again, would you do it again? Oh yes, of course. Awesome. Awesome. Great.
3: I was curious how you come up with your mead recipes. Are you more methodical and going after a certain taste you've got in mind or a little more random trying
4: stuff and going with what works? Uh, Well, generally, we like to say that Eric is the art and I'm the science behind everything. But when I'm going into mead, I do take, you know, quite meticulous notes just to kind of see the progress of things. But in, like, recipe formulation, I've only been really – a stickler about it one time, <laughs> um, one of the recent batches we did, we'd got a bunch of different uh, fruit juices. We got uh, cranberry, uh, dark and sweet cherry and blueberry. And we, we played around for about two hours with different ratios of juices. So that's probably the most in-depth I'd ever been. And most of the other ones I was just putting stuff together because I thought it would be good.
3: So pretty much the same way a lot of the rest of us still do
4: it. <laughs> pretty much, <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, in a lot, you know, in a lot of ways, especially for the smaller meteries and the newer smaller meteries, are you know, I mean, th- you you work with what you know and what's worked for you in the past. So right. as long as you can get the recipes approved and the labels approved, it's all good. You know, right. I mean, the ideas come from wherever they come from. Yeah, I mean, once you guys have been in business four or five years, you'll find a pattern that's occurring and you'll start settling on some of your like core needs that you know are real income producers and that'll be the ones that fund your
4: growth right
1: you know and that's but that takes time you know and you can't know what that's going to be until you've been around a while and got statistics to work with so mm-hmm it you know it, I, I've always thought that when you guys open up a lot of times it's a little bit like throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what
2: sticks because you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: seen meadery start out with what sounded like a really awesome mead was a total flop in the market you know for whatever reason and you know and there's so many different part, you know things that play into that your location um, where your you know where your business is coming from uh, how you're marketing it and what they expect to hear you know, I mean, there's just all these different things. So getting that fine tuned takes time.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: And it's frustrating, but it's what it is. You know, I mean, (laughs) every business in every, in pretty much every field goes through that to a certain extent, products more than services, but still.
4: Yeah, definitely. It'll be quite the adventure to see what actually uh, takes off here in our area. Cause there's, uh, you know, a lot of the local wineries will do, you know, lots of sweet wines to kind of appeal to the masses, I would say. But I mean, there, there's a certain kind of core group of people that is looking for something that's not just regular Missouri wine.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's some good wineries down there, so you're in good company, but it also means you've got some pretty good competition. Right. You know, so are you guys, are you guys a uh, part of or near to any of the wine trail tours that States tend to put together?
4: Um, we're not the closest one is about an hour away in Herman, Missouri. Okay. But they they've tried uh, multiple times and it just hasn't taken off to do a wine trail, uh, here in St. James. There's, there's about, we're the sixth winery in the area. So you would think that, you know, it could handle it, but we have multiple festivals during the year. So that kind of helps offset not having a trail.
5: Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, festivals are going to come in handy. I'd say hit your chamber, you know.
4: Oh, yeah. Eric and I are in the process Uh of getting on the board for the chamber. So hopefully we can get a few things worked out. There you go. Yeah, I mean, that's a great, because the chamber is all about
1: bringing business to the area, right? and and people and money you know primarily money so that's i mean really all you have to do is convince them of the money and all you have to do is cite the wine trails in various other states that are just kicking butt and taking names we talked to oh was it last week or the week before a newish meadery that i can't remember who it was i talked to they had got on the wine trail and that was all they had to do I mean, literally, they didn't have to advertise and were distributing. They just opened up their tasting room and got on the wine trail and they were off and running, selling as fast as they could make it. Yeah. Was that Brian yeah. from 810 Meadworks? I think it was Brian.
3: 810, yeah.
1: You know? Yeah, he's right. yeah, like, we're on the wine trail and that's just kicking butt for us. So, you know.
4: Yeah, that's definitely good.
1: Yeah, I would think you guys could probably do that really well. You got that many. I mean, six, seven wineries in the area. That's enough for Wine Trail. Oh and, yeah. You know, there's probably breweries around there too somewhere. Make it a make it a booze trail. You know yeah, <laughs> Get everybody in on the game.
3: <laughs> a pub crawl. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> there you go. That works. Well,
1: I mean, that's what um, um, Brian was saying was that it was, you know, they had wine, they had a couple ciders, they had one distillery, and um, they were the sole meadery, and I. I think you said there was a couple breweries too. So it was a little bit of everything, which I think is kind of fun. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. What do you two, uh, Casey, what do you tell people who are tasting mead for the first time? uh, How do you explain uh, what they're about to drink?
4: Well, that's kind of an interesting question because a lot of people who have come around so far, you know, there, there's, a few who want sweet wine, but there are a lot of people who want a drier wine and that's kind of our challenge is to kind of root out what each separate person is looking for and how to, you know, actually recommend one to them. But, you know, once they get on it, a lot of times, you know, I mean, it may be a misconception or, or an incorrect way to describe it, but you kind of relate it to things that they already know about. Like some of the drier ones, you know, you can say they're kind of like a sal blanc. You've got kind of the dry, the little fruity notes, the, you know, the grassy notes to it. Or any of the sweeter ones, you know, it's kind of like kind of a dessert wine, depending on your style, obviously.
0: Yeah. I know for me, it was, uh, you know, after I discovered it was, it was made of honey. I'm, I'm very new at making mead. Uh, and this whole meat experience and of course like and he everybody, makes up oh, for
1: it with enthusiasm <laughs>
0: yeah, oh yeah yeah stick around uh, we'll be talking about when i've gotten a hopper but uh you know when i first discovered this and like everybody else at the first mention of honey i'm thinking wow that ought to taste pretty unique like a you know a honey sweet wine Right, And the more I learned about it, the more I learned, well, you can go also go on to dry. I I, I prefer a drier wine. Uh, And I I don't particularly, not that I don't like them, but I I just prefer a drier wine. I'll drink the sweet ones. I'm drinking one tonight. Um, But it was kind of a difficult thing for me. uh, When I first had my first taste of real mead, Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, and I was just wondering if, you know, other people have that same reaction that, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be when I took my first sip.
4: All right. Yeah, we've we've had a few people kind of come to that realization that, you know, hey, this isn't what, you know, when they say, well, what is me? You know, well, it's honey and it's fermented. So it's kind of like wine, but it's made from honey based they're like, Oh no, that's going to be, I mean, that's going to be super sickly sweet. And they're like, well, it all depends on what you're doing with it. Yeah. We Like even my first taste of mead was, like I said earlier, Eric bought me a bottle and it was, it was slightly effervescent and it was their traditional mead and it was, it was nice. It was very light and it was crisp, but then, you know, kind of, as we traveled down the rabbit hole, you know, trying, you know, different meteries, you know, Pirtle, and we've had you know, even going to Mazer Cup this past March, I mean, there were so many different things that we got exposed to, and we got a lot of great ideas.
0: Yeah.
3: Well, you can explain it to people like this. I mean, grape juice is really sweet, but is grape wine? Right. So Exactly, linking it to things people know about.
1: Yeah. Right. But- my standard line for years and it's actually been quoted in god i don't even know how many articles online and off is uh mead can be as dry as a bone and so sweet it makes fillings fall out and everything in between it depends on how you make it you know (laughs) and you know and then they're like you're kidding me right and i'm like oh no and we can use vegetables and spices and Fruit and they're like vegetables. I'm like, oh, you should taste this beet meat. The 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 uh, Technicolor beet meat that got entered in the competition one year at MCI was stunning. Won a medal. I hate beets, but it was awesome. <laughs> And rhubarb technically is a vegetable not a fruit. Yeah, that's very true, but most people kind of lump it with fruits just because, you know, it and strawberries. It goes in pie. I know. Yeah, yeah, pie. Just like, you know, exactly. tomatoes well, fruit. Yeah, yeah, green green tomato pie tastes like apple pie, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean seriously, that's they just don't get it. So I kind of came up with that to to give them an idea of the, the breadth of what mead can do and they're like you're kidding me right I'm like no really seriously I've had mead so dry I need a glass of water after drinking it right you know oh. and I've had mead so sweet that even I can't drink them and I like sweet meads. you know <laughs> so it's just depends on what the mead maker wants to do
0: right when you're uh, when you're opening up uh, you know you I mean, you got these plans these thoughts. this is before the doors before the you know the mortars even drying, the bricks even uh, are you concerned about that uh, at all uh, Mead being such a new alcoholic beverage not a lot of people have uh, know what it is or had the opportunity to taste it is there a, any kind of a I fear it's probably too too strong of a word but any anticipation of, of you know gee what if people won't like this or uh, did you think about that at all when you were putting your plans together
4: yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of, I see that as very inherent to the whole business itself. Um, you know, there's always that fear like, Oh crap, what am I going to do with, you know, 200 gallons of stuff that nobody wants to drink? Uh, but kind of, yeah, I mean, we worried about that, but we're, we're confident that, you know, we're, since it is so new, you know, it's kind of in the same shoes that you know crash beer was about ten years ago or right. you know where ciders were just a, t- a couple years ago I mean nobody hardly had a cider right. but now it seems like every brewery is turning out two or three different kinds of cider so we,
0: we
6: kind of
4: think like with how meat is coming back around we're really kind of on the cusp of
0: it yeah yeah interesting <clears throat> is there, um, is there any one particular thing that you would want? so much to know about opening up a metering.
1: Yeah. Give the noobs the benefit of your experience, man. Right.
4: <laughs> um, have a good lawyer. <laughs> advice.
3: Good advice. I'm writing that one down.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's true. I mean, you're dealing with the TTB and you can ask three TTB people the same exact question and get three completely different answers.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah, another thing of advice would be, you know, go on to the TTV and read through, you know, the, the FAQ that they put out recently. I mean, that'll be, that'll be the biggest help to anybody who's trying to start anything because we asked our own, you know, state office questions based on what we had read on the federal site. And they, I mean, they had to even go back and look at their own, their own paperwork. So.
1: And yeah, you have to do that. When I applied for a trademark for Got Mead, uh, they tried to tell me that gotmead was too close to Got Milk, and so therefore they refused to register it. So I went into their database and I said, okay, so what are you planning on revoking got, got beer, got wine, got soap, got this, got that. There was like 26 other got somethings already approved. And I emailed it to the, the examiner and I said, look, not trying to be a smartass here, but precedent states that I am not too close. Right, based based on what you've already done. So I'd like to know your decision regarding this. And two weeks later, I got approved. Yeah, you know, I mean, be nice. Don't don't go in as an asshole. Assholes don't get help. <laughs> yeah, no,
4: that's not going to help anything.
1: <laughs> exactly. You obviously have already figured that out. But you'd be surprised how many people lose their temper, and it's that's you lose the moment you
2: do.
0: <laughs> what about on the What about uh, on the local level, Casey? Uh, dealing with local uh, alcohol licensing, that kind of thing. Was there any difficulty there? Um, not really. I mean, the only problem we had was
4: with our, you know, separate premises. That was about the only, the only hiccup we had with the state government. Uh, locally, we basically have no alcohol laws here.
0: Oh, wow. That's nice. Huh. I'm, I'm moving to Missouri. There you go. We, we're very <laughs> I might have to too. <laughs> go ahead, Casey. I didn't mean to cut you off.
4: Oh no, we're, we're just very, it seems like we're a little more forgiving after prohibition came around. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but a lot of the stuff they've got, you know, it's it's still you know post prohibition or pre prohibition laws that, that you know they haven't gone back and, and revised. Yeah.
1: So what's long term? You guys looking at making equal parts meat and wine or play by year? What's the deal?
4: Uh well this this first year we're looking at making uh, I think we looked at about fourteen hundred gallons total production. Okay. Uh, we've got roughly eight hundred going right now, so it's slightly wine heavy, but I think once I can get formulas approved, you know, that'll that'll edge closer to even in the following years. And hopefully, you know, we we've talked about it. And we think that the mead will actually be kind of more of a moneymaker for us since the wine the area is so saturated with wine.
1: Yeah. I say the Missouri's a lot like michigan and beginning to be like that here in north carolina uh you can't swing a cat without hitting a winery they're everywhere right i mean there there are more more wineries than there are starbucks and that's saying something yeah Yeah, even in seattle there's more wineries than there are starbucks and that's really saying something
0: (laughs) wow what, uh, what kind of honey is available uh, down there in Missouri, Casey? Are you working with any apiaries or do you have any difficulty uh, obtaining your honey? Uh,
4: well, we haven't gone out and purchased any of our fermentables yet. Uh, I talked to with a couple commercial apiaries in the state, um, but a lot of them have, you know, clover and wildflower honeys, uh, but there are a few smaller operations, that there's a little bit of uh, black locust. Um, but there's really not a whole, a whole lot on a commercial scale out here, uh, speaking with some of the local beekeepers, uh, and kind of joining their organizations will probably help. There, there are a few small producers in in our area, so it'd be nice to get some of that local honey and, you know, kind of see what other, you know, what kind of nuances come out of those.
1: Yeah. You could maybe do a, um, a cottage batch, you know? Right limited run kind of local thing i mean ken tram uses that with his own stuff to great effect it works really i happily paid 110 ten dollar bottle a bottle for um, you know for a bottle of the heart of darkness made oh, yeah. with fr- fruit from his backyard it's like yeah sure i'll buy that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no problem i know how good that is but i mean you can do you can do like short run exclusives or limited edition meads and really kick button and, and take names. Uh, David Myers has done the same thing. He does limited edition fortified versions of some of his, and he only releases them every, I think five years right. or three years. And so yeah, everybody waits for the cycle to turn around so they can get
4: theirs. Yeah, we we really considered that, especially with the with the local keepers. I kind of wanted to do you know batches from you know each person that would would pony up some honey, and you know do a little bio about them. You know, make a do a whole beekeeper series, if you will. And oh, fun! I like I just that. Kind of feature each person and kind of get everybody out there.
1: That's I think a neat that, idea. that is a really neat idea. I like that a lot. I wish that'd work here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, everybody has honey where
0: you're at. A- AJ's in Canada, Casey.
3: Yeah, <laughs> if I want to open a meadery, I have to be running 100 hives myself, and I'm not allowed right to up, make yeah. anything off property of where I process the
1: honey. So, Wow. That's, uh, yeah. That's you great. can't open a, the entire country of Canada. You have to have the honey before yeah. you can have the meadery. Yeah, and the same
3: thing if you open a winery, you have to have the fruit first, too.
1: Right. I oh they're... I didn't know that. Not not,
3: not that the, there's anything that says you have to use only your own fruit. Or
1: you just even have to your live. own honey. You just have to have it. Ah, right. okay. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to provide hundred percent of your own fermentables.
3: You have to plan to, but you don't have to use hundred percent. Yeah. So but uh, get a look have a good lawyer is definitely still very good advice.
4: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <Yeah. laughs>
1: So Casey, you said you got your recipes, are your recipes in for consideration or are you still working on them?
4: Uh, They've been submitted. So they're just kind of sitting in the queue right now.
1: Ah, Okay. So you haven't had any, you haven't had any uh, blowback on them yet to see if they're
4: going to say yay or give you a hard time. No, I I tried to submit my probably most easily approvable recipes just to start out. (laughs) Smart idea. Right. You know, a good traditional, and then you know, one melomel, and maybe, and then I put in one for a bochette. So we'll see how those come around.
0: And the people who have to approve these recipes, I don't. Know, maybe Vicky might be able to answer this better. But how, how do how do they know what they're looking at?
4: I really uh, have. Well, I assume they just look at their you know their kind of guidelines, or maybe it just depends on who gets it.
1: It that the second answer, uh, and to a certain extent, the first answer are true. Um, what's, the, the problem is is that mead does not have its own designation, so wine is the overall definition. And under that, they have like there's country wines. Okay, those would be like your raspberry wines, your blueberry wines that don't have grapes. So wine, but without grapes. And so for a while they were trying to sort of put us in with country wines, but honey wasn't a designated fermentable, so it kept getting kicked back. And then um, once we got them understanding that honey is a fermentable and shouldn't be kicked back as an agricultural product just like blueberries, strawberries, raspberries, whatever. They were like, okay, we're, we'll go with that. And then, you know, we started submitting things like with grape and, and honey, and they're like, well, wait, 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 now you're crossing the line into wine. So it was really confusing for them because they didn't have guidelines around what this is. Right. And the AMMA, uh, I wanna say last year, or maybe it was a year before, got a, not a law change, but a clarification statement placed into the guidelines for the TTB people to use. So it hmm. doesn't change any laws, but it basically clarifies what is mead. And, right. um, it took a while for that to happen. So now that you're, you know, enjoying the benefit or hopefully we'll be enjoying the benefits of that Casey, but it, it basically outlined that mead is a, is, um, a wine made with at least 50% honey as the fermentable plus things such as fruits, spices, Da-da, da-da, da-da. so they were able to clarify that so you can actually point them to it if they come back Go, i don't know what you're talking about with this mead thing but now i'm not going to prove this right and you say well there is a resolution regarding this if i may here's the link to it and um you know i'd, I'd appreciate it if you take a look at that and get back with me i'd really you know that'd be great so i mean yeah you're gonna and you're gonna get the guys that are just kind of dicks anyway you know i mean some of them just are (laughs) just like in any other profession you're gonna get the guys who are just in crappy moods because they have a hangover and their guy and their football team lost last night you know i mean that's just like border guards exactly you know (laughs) (laughs) catch them on a bad day it really doesn't matter you know
0: have you had to deal with uh anything like that at all casey uh or maybe not yet or
4: no we haven't had any of that yet yeah
0: would well, be interesting to uh i just you know i just uh because meat is so new and vicky and i appreciate your explanation I and mean, i understand the, uh you know the, i mean the government i mean they they have no idea what it is either so somewhere along the line they have to become educated somehow and maybe it's these guys like casey uh and eric uh and these new meteries uh, uh maybe it's uh you know become their job now kind of kind of, sort of uh, to help educate the federal government on, on this whole mead thing
1: well I mean the more people like Casey and, and all these new meteries that are coming up the line do this the more TTB people will become aware for sure I mean they can't help it but you know eventually will penetrate but um, and Casey if you're not already a member of the AA, AMMA you should be um, because they're the ones that are, they've got, you know, people who've been in the business since the beginning of the industry, more or less, who are out there, you know, really trying to shake the trees and change some rules. So it's a good place to be because you kind of get a, not only to get a heads up on what they're up to, but you can ask people like say Mike Fall or Michael Fairbrother who have already dealt with all the hoo-ha, you know, Brad, Brad, uh, Brad, Ed B. Nectar. I mean, these guys have put through hundreds of recipe approvals. And it probably run into like every single possible thing that can come up so they can, you know, help you, help you find your way around stuff that you might not be aware of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I know I saw Mike fall, totally blow somebody out of, uh, you know, just blow somebody away who was just frustrated. Everything is getting kicked back. And Mike said, Oh, well, if you just put the word need on this here line and then send it back, tell me what happens. They, they did. And came back like a week later and said, oh my God, every single one got approved. What the hell? Like,
2: it was like, you know, it was like
1: one word on one line and that was all you had to do. But you wouldn't know because they don't put explanations in there. They figure you're supposed to know this stuff. Right. They want to make you guess. Yeah. Well, they assume that you know what you're doing. You come in with knowledge. And that, yeah, I mean, even the wineries have problems. Casey, I imagine your friend probably had a little fun with some of his recipes. I mean,
4: well, as, as far as we know, uh, wines don't have to have a formula. Oh, they don't? Oh, I didn't know that. No, because you're not you're not adding anything to it. They, it's recognized for Oh, uh,
1: so it's label. They just have to get their labels approved then.
4: Right, yeah. They just have to go through the cola process.
0: Uh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that'll
4: be the next fun step. Oh, yeah.
0: What's the, uh, what's the long term, Casey? Uh, let's talk five years and then 10 years.
4: Uh, Well, within the next five to even seven years, we're looking at expanding our production area. Uh, There's a, a large uh, brick and mortar uh, warehouse across the street from where we're producing now. And that would be kind of for our large, our large scale batches and, and then we would just use our current building as kind of our experimental lab. But even, even 10 years, you know, we're looking at, you know, either continuing on and getting more into that warehouse, or there's another—it's uh, a winery museum, actually, not too far from where we're living. And maybe looking at purchasing that and revamping it and get, making it into a functioning winery again.
0: And then how about 10, 10 years? What's what's the uh, extreme long term? I guess anything with uh, the restaurant. Uh, well, we will continue growing,
4: you know, what we have here at, at, at just a taste. We have a large selection of, you know, Italian wines and, and we're growing our mead selection as kind of as we speak. But, uh, once our own wines are actually in house, then we think that'll, that'll really help us to grow and uh, be able to do more, you know, mead pairing dinners and, and beer dinners and anything kind of along those lines. Just, and hopefully it'd be nice to get into distribution, but that'd be, that'd be severely long term.
0: As we begin to uh, wrap this segment with Casey Stuck from Eagles Landing Meadery and Winery, uh, you can give us a call here in the next few minutes, 818-921-4680. If you've got a question for Casey, I'm sure he'd be happy to answer. Um, and uh, Vicky and AJ, I just, uh, you know, you're talking about a wine trail. I need to start making a trail down to Missouri. And, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there's some good stuff down there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never been uh, and really I mean uh, you know Branson would be probably the first stop but absolutely I want to go to Eagle's Landing and uh, have a bite to eat at uh, Just a Taste
1: yeah come on down yeah I'd say once I next time I get down to visit my uncle I'm going to come check it out because I was like I said I was seeing all the reviews and you guys were getting like huge reviews people were like oh my god so amazing so (laughs) you know I mean come on this is you know, this is the review page, you know, the resume, blah, 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 the review sites. And usually what you end up getting are the idiots who want to just diss on you for no particular reason.
0: How did you, uh, do you have a chef working for you at Just a Taste, uh, Casey, or?
4: Uh, well, recently we'd hired somebody as kind of a part-time cook, but before then it was, it was mainly myself and Eric working the kitchen. So it's kind of nice to see you know the positive reception that we got from everybody that was coming in.
0: Very good. So you're a pathologist, you're a mead maker, and you're a cook.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Jack of all trades, master of none, they say. Hey, you Uh, know what?
0: (laughs) If that's what it takes, uh, more power to you. Uh, You know, I mean that's just uh, that's people that have gumption and a vision. And want to get someplace and not afraid to do what they got to do to get there. So, uh, I can appreciate that for sure. Well,
4: thank you very much.
1: So, yeah, thanks for coming on and, you know, keep us in the loop, man. Drop me, you know, when you guys do something new, drop me the info. I'll be happy to put it up on got me, you know, get some airplay.
4: Yeah, definitely. Thank you.
0: Yeah, do that, Uh, you know, because we uh, we can do some uh, on-air plug-ins uh, and, uh, you know, we can put a commercial spot together for you. So, uh, you know, we'd love to uh, talk about your meadery, your winery. Uh, And thanks uh, for being here with us tonight, Casey. Yeah, totally. Yeah, thank
3: you. And it'd be interesting to see how
0: you're doing in a couple of months, a couple of years,
3: too.
4: Yeah, thank you very much. I'll keep you guys posted.
1: Yeah, do, please. And shout-out to Eric and, um, you know, You guys keep doing what you're doing. It sounds like it's working.
0: You bet. And with that, uh, we're going to step away and take a commercial break. When we come back, hey, it's the Pumpkin Project. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hey, this is J.D. Webb for Got Mead Live. You know, winemaking was a way of life for Sergio Mottello while growing up. As an adult, his winemaking led to brewing beer and ultimately his discovery and passion for mead. Today at Melovino, his mead-making skills has earned him countless awards. His signature meads include Pepino, a light and refreshing cucumber, orange, and lemon session mead, and Sinfonia, called the Scotch of Meads, is made with three honey varietals and a blend of three different oaks. Visit them in Vauxhall, New Jersey at 2933 Vauxhall Road, located in the rear of the Millburn Mall. And be sure and visit them online at melovino.com. Shipping to 22 states, try some Melovino mead yourself and book a tour and tasting. Melovino, a truly unique and exquisite craft mead experience. Besides being the county seat of Cass County, it's also the home of Prairie Rose Meadery, the only meadery in North Dakota. Owned and operated by Susan and Bob Rood, they produce five amazing meads with a sixth on the way, all available in their tasting room. From bees to bottles, the Prairie Rose Tasting Room is located at 3101, 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota, and features their award-winning traditional and blackberry meads. Other amazing flavors available include ginger, mint, cherry, and an upcoming star anise mead. Tasting room hours are Thursday through Friday, 5 to 10 p.m., Saturday from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Sunday from noon to 6 p.m. Make Prairie Rose Meadery a must-do when you're in Fargo, North Dakota. Visit them online at prairierosemeadery.com or stop by at 3101, 39th Street South, Suite E in Fargo, North Dakota. Prairie Rose Meadery, a delightful mead experience. Shram's Mead crafts some of the most coveted meads available in the United States today. The Tasting Room at 327 West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale, Michigan features Shram's Mead in bottles and special release meads on tap. Shram'sMead.com. If you think you don't like mead, you haven't had a Shram's. Uncompromisingly delicious mead since 2013. Homebrewtalk.com, your absolute everything resource for brewing beer at home. Their forum covers recipes, brewing equipment, and help from member brewers. If you picked up your equipment today, you can start brewing tonight with everything you need to know at homebrewtalk.com. Sign up today for as little as $4 a month and become a... And we are back live at... Got me live. Uh, Casey hanging around with us tonight. Uh, Casey Stuck. We just got through talking to him. He's from Missouri, guys. In, uh show of, me
1: state. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: Eagles Landing, uh, Meadery and Winery, and Just a Taste, a little bistro down there around St. James, Missouri. Um, right now... Um, and casey uh and for anybody who's new listening it was back on the 10th of uh this month uh we started <laughs> i started a the
1: great pumpkin rose <laughs> out of the pumpkin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm the, sorry it's got kind of, you know we got what five days four days to halloween <laughs> you
2: know, it's like, like, like that
1: you know, hey JD, every year the great pumpkin rises out of the pumpkin patch and brings me to all the good little boys in the world.
0: So I, I have struggled. I'm new to this mead making thing and I struggled and struggled and struggled. AJ's even to help. I knew AJ before I knew Vicky and, and Oscar. Uh, I didn't know this at, guy. He
1: was just emailing me and calling me and nagging the shit out of me to do this
0: live show yeah because i wanted to learn more about making me yeah,
1: that's all this is for him it's, like, it's just a vehicle for him to not have to pay somebody to teach him how to make me
0: well other people are tuning in and listening and learning at the same time but anyway yeah so after yeah, you know how to run the
1: you know how to run the toys
0: so you know yeah after running after after ruining batch after actually i didn't ruin them and they worked quite well in the lawnmower and the weed wax oh yeah um i started uh you know i got involved with vicky in the radio show and met pete or, or oscar and uh, we've got the fabulous uh, session that we do called ask oscar oscar is like the primo um, i mean his family's been making wine for centuries and uh So
1: Hamish is is saying that the great pumpkin mead needs its own music.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I can work with that too. But, uh, so after a lot of failed batches, I started, I took Oscar at his, uh, urging and started making nothing but traditional. I've got my first traditional, uh, in the hoppers. Actually it's out of the hopper and it's aging right now. Uh, looking forward to that. And then I thought just for a community project, uh we would do this pumpkin thing because it is pumpkin season uh holiday yeah, yeah holiday. casey
1: when he says we do this as a community thing that's he makes it and aj and i pick on him
0: yeah i mean I, yeah, well, I, yeah i put the recipe together um oscar consulted on on it with me and so we've got it working now and it's been uh, <laughs> in hopper since the 10th uh yeah. we started out uh, at a gravity of 1.136 we used uh roasted uh pumpkin and kombucha <laughs> did i say that right kombucha did, All right, I'll, I'll com- Oh, the
1: the uh, pumpkins yeah uh they're they're com- uh, kombucha and i'm not sure that's the oh. correct pronunciation they're japanese so uh but it's k-o-m-b-o-c-h-a because we were talking about it like it was like kombucha and it's not it's something totally different yeah
0: yeah. And uh so it was a pumpkin and that other thing and then the sweet potato, thirty pounds of raw, uh roasted down to thirteen pounds of product, which I'm finding out now is way too little. Um we start out with a go, really go steal thick.
1: pumpkins from all your neighbors on uh, you know, like Sunday night. They'll <laughs> <I'm> never <laughs> <honest>. <laughs> <laughs> Um And it's
0: all it's it's all apple juice, uh, apple juice, pumpkin. Uh, the intent was to spice it up uh, after, uh, it, you know, into the aging process uh, with some pumpkin spices, uh, and have that that appley grandmother pumpkin dessert flavor to it. So. Um, right now uh, we're looking at uh, 1.022 so it it is fermented a long ways from 1.136 had some struggles with the pH Uh, it shot up to something in the neighborhood of 4.9 had to add a lot of tartaric and malic acid to bring it under control and we're down to 3.4 but it left it with a a a a puckering uh tartness uh that i and i'm, I'm a little worried about uh, i can definitely taste the apple it's not sweet anymore and there is zero pumpkin flavor at all so uh I, you know clearly 30 pounds of pumpkins is is just not enough to change yeah. that pumpkin flavor so well,
1: well we figured out the music i think where tamish and i have differing opinions I think we had to use music for the Exorcist for the pumpkin, Great Pumpkin Project. He says, "Psycho." So, yeah, tubular bells. To, yeah, tubular bells was the first thing that entered my mind. Yeah, that that. Uh,
2: <laughs> but oh, yeah, he, said, he
1: says, "Psycho." I mean, can you see it? Eh, 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 okay. eh, and the knife comes down, slaying some poor innocent pumpkin in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And you see I think we've juice? been drinking too much. <laughs> yes.
1: And you see I'm pumpkin juice running into the drain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Maybe that's that why there's not in that flavor in there, Chris. It's I know you're listening. Help medicine. me, Chris. That's <laughs> on track though. Uh, oh yeah. All right. Okay. So <laughs> are you gonna add are you gonna back add some pumpkin in the secondary or what?
0: Yeah, I uh, I consulted my consultant and he says, you know, don't panic. Uh well, know, last it, week
3: he was saying, "Don't panic because it's like the taste of honey. Sometimes it ha- takes some time to come back." Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to uh, we're going to work on some candied yams. Uh, you know, during the uh, age, it's probably going to go through a few rackings before we get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it definitely need to clear out all of the sediment. I mean, it's going to have a ton of sediment. So,
1: well, yeah, you're going to have a lot of you're going to have a lot of glorp left over on that
0: yeah so we're, we're right now we're pushing almost seven gallons so and I'm looking for if I can get three good gallons out of it, uh, I would be happy uh, mm-hmm. Yeah well and I mean
1: I'm kind of with Pete on on the whole the flavor can change remarkably after it sits for a while. I mean yeah.
0: well thats that's why I want to wait before I add anything. I want to see what it's going to do so you know perhaps six months eight months uh yeah
1: and do a second batch a side by side you know how Pete's always saying if you make one make five
0: yeah right yeah
1: do a second batch same recipe only double the uh double the um fermentables not the honey the pumpkin
0: the pumpkin yeah yeah Yeah.
1: and and see where that gets you
4: I wonder if you can even ferment in the pumpkin
1: yeah you can there are actually recipes for that there's uh, at least two of them got me into the forum but yeah that's because you have to dip the pumpkin in wax otherwise it like warps out and starts dripping yeah I th- <laughs> but yeah I, I, you can do it and you can actually make a pretty good mead that way a lot of people kind of go you but somebody did it and it, it's the problem is is it it depends on the pumpkin the age of the pumpkin the type of the pumpkin sometimes it's awesome sometimes it's really horrible <laughs> so it's,
0: well, good good pie pumpkins are are very small they're not these you know ginormous eight- ones yeah yeah uh, Chris is on the line from Mississippi oh, of course he is Chris <laughs> hi Chris have you, have you come to save uh, from himself I, I
7: I came to rescue him <laughs> he's, he's, he's having as hard a time as I've had a few for the last few days oh yeah uh, oh it's been terrible around here my wife says she goes to uh, uh, the plumbing is leaking under the vanity. You need to call a plumber. So I so I'll go in and look at it, and I go, "Well, you know, plumber my ass. I can fix this." Uh-oh. Well, I got it. I got it fixed. But now every time I turn on the light, the toilet flushes. Uh, I don't know what the <laughs> hell. So yeah, then but I'm Chris, cleaning up. You're I'm cleaning evil. up, there. <laughs> I I accidentally dropped the Viagra in the toilet and now the seat won't go down (laughs) (laughs) it's been a hell of a few days around here
1: and they're they're accusing me of drinking okay (laughs) that's hilarious yeah Uh, you uh, you you plumb people Chris I I don't know you know I mean it's it's a little different than the bathroom
7: (laughs) uh, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm going with the same difference for the for the theme yeah the, the and banjos oh yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah if
1: directions to your house include when you hear the banjos turn right you might be ready
0: the <laughs> only uh, uh, ladies and uh, Chris uh, the only the only drawback to playing that kind of music I can play music but I cannot play copyrighted music yeah we know a it's, big trouble we over. can dream yeah. And well, I'll record yeah. you something. I grew up playing the banjo. I was gonna there say go.
1: yeah Chris you want to get us some banjo music we can use when we get into the weeds
7: yeah yeah we can do that. I'm, I'm in the heart of banjo country there you cool
1: go. That, that could be can also be my theme music because I do live in the weeds you know there'll be four yeah. dogs that die if my porch collapses. there's at least there's an old truck that doesn't run in the yard that you find when you mow the grass. Uh, Oh, and you have to turn off the paved road to get to my house. (laughs)
2: Yeah,
7: that's right. Jeff Jeff would love me. (laughs) Uh, Why why did you you add the acid for any purpose other than flavor?
0: Because the pH went up to 4.9 and I panicked. And I knew from working with my traditional, Oscar had me add... The mallek and tartaric, he said, stay away from citrus, uh, which I did. So, you know, I'm thinking I did everything right. I, I brought it down to 3.4 or, th- or 3.5, uh, you know, where it's supposed to be. So, but, mm. like, now, you know, here again, now the apple, I mean, we, and we used uh, fresh pressed apple juice, which has a tart taste to it anyway. So, part of that tartness, I'm sure, is coming from the apples. Uh, but I think the rest of it is coming from. I mean, I, you know, it took 308 grams of acid to bring it under control. Uh, well, I'll,
7: I'll throw my I'll throw my two cents in, and Vicky can correct me, AJ or um, Pete or whoever, if i if they think I'm wrong about this. Uh, but the way I approach that, uh, you know, you've got your acid additions, which will bring the pH down. You've got your carbonates, which will bring the pH up if it's too low uh i I will always add the carbonates to bring it up into the safe range. I will not add acids to bring it down into a range um, I add acids for flavor if need be. That's my take on it so i'm you know that may not be how everyone else does it that's uh, how I'm I do a it. lot more. I'm a lot more concerned about keeping the pH up into the normal range than I am keeping it down into the normal range. Exactly, because so honey's,
3: honey's its own acidity, and also mm-hmm. fermentation causes acidity. Now, I was curious, JD. At what point, Oscar, told with your traditional, did Oscar tell you to add acidity to it uh, while it was he, fermenting,
0: or was it afterwards? No, no, no. While it was fermenting. Okay. Yeah.
7: Mm-hmm. yeah well that- it may have been something with the yeast you were using that he knew about that i don't but uh, you know that's like i said as a general rule that's how i do it i, I adjust upward i don't adjust downward yeah
1: yeah uh, I, i'm kind of i mean i rare only rarely add acid or carbonates i tend to work with the yeast and the fermentables and go with that so far and a lot of that may have to do with the type of types of meads that I tend to make I haven't really needed to but I'm kind of with Chris and with Pete and well and AJ for that matter on this one acid's the last thing I only put it in there if I need it and I've been known to use um, citrus to do that. Yeah, I have a couple of recipes mm-hmm. that
3: I developed before I knew that honey itself had acidity to it, so they work, and I'm not screwing with them now, but for the most part, yeah, I, um, I'm far more likely to need to add carbonate rather than, uh, rather than adding acidity, because I know as soon as the yeast gets its hands on things, it's going to drop the pH and probably too far, mm-hmm. but I mean, I do use a couple of fruits like uh, red currants that do have a tendency to drop the pH too low to start with.
7: Yeah. But also on, on that same note, uh, when I do well, I hardly ever add acid additions anyway. But when I do, I certainly don't do it by the numbers or by the pH. I do it by taste. Okay. So that, okay. that's another that's another thing too. Like yeah. I said, I really don't I really don't care about it being on the upper end. I care about it dropping too low. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, the curious thing, uh, I had to add a lot of tartaric and malic acid to the traditional, but it tastes awesome. It, It doesn't, you know, and it was 200 and some grams of, uh, you know, by the time I got done, it was, it was over 200 grams of tartaric and malic acid. Uh, it was a 70, 30, uh, uh, 70% tartaric 30% malic I believe it was I'll have to go back and check my notes but I mean right mm-hmm. now it tastes awesome I mean it tastes awesome it doesn't have near the pucker power as this pumpkin thing that I've got going so I'm sure mm-hmm. that the acid addition uh, really impacted because the apple juice like I say is tart to begin with so mm-hmm.
7: I usually find myself trying to to get rid of some acidity, because uh, the the longer I make need, the drier I tend to make it. Uh, I'm just getting drier and drier and drier, and I need less and less acidity, so I find myself trying to do things to minimize the acidity more often than not now.
0: Yeah. Well, this is certainly going down in the notes, uh, you know, and I, and I do intend on making another batch. I don't know whether I'll make one this year, um, uh, you know, perhaps I will, uh, but uh, all of my fermenters are full right now, <laughs>
3: so <laughs> I know that problem.
0: But um, and I, you know, and I, I've been I've been warned uh, that I have enough alcohol in the house as it is so she's spoken has she
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) she beats beat you up so you better listen
7: (laughs) well i've got
0: i've got empty buckets uh all my stainless are are full right now which is uh which is what i ferment uh, in now i don't do it in buckets anymore and i won't Uh, i've just I'm, i'm bent on that um, uh, mm-hmm. just absolutely believe in my. I mean, they're insulated. They are temperature controlled. I have you know, just about a hundred percent control over my, over my fermentation. And if, if I make
7: mistake, you spent a mistake. lot of money on them. Yeah, and you've convinced yourself that that's the way to go because you spent so much money on it.
0: Well. <laughs> not because not necessarily because i sent too much money it's because of of where i live uh and i want to be able to ferment year round i I don't want to right now is a is a have
1: you been to peace to see the the grand mead palace garage thing that he's got not uh, yet yeah it's it's pretty stunning from what he's told yeah (laughs) I uh, from inside of it but i haven't seen anything like really shows the whole area
0: yeah well, I just, you know, this is um, this is part of my pastime, part of my routine, uh, my lifestyle. And I want to be able to do this stuff, you know, year round. And I don't want to be limited because of the weather. Uh, California weather is extremely unpredictable. I already found that out. Hot and, uh, well, hot and sunny, more and sunny. You know, yeah, where where you live. That's like what
1: you guys call unpredictable just makes me giggle because it's like, really, I would love that kind of unpredictability. Yeah, and I, you, you chose know, I know. there. Yeah, that too. Yeah, and I'm sitting
7: on the back porch looking at the rain that it hasn't stopped for like three days now.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. y'all getting that too? Yeah, you're getting the you're getting the leftovers from that big hurricane in the Pacific, aren't you? Yeah, we're expecting yeah. that tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got hit with it we'll yesterday.
0: Go it's been raining for two days for new people who are starting out um you know i mean this this is you know my 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 thing is the temperature control and for me i mean if i were to tell anybody new starting out i would say you know what start with your temperature control uh first and get that under Absolutely. control. because if you, if you don't uh there's no guarantee you might have all the best ingredients and and the best honeys and everything else, but if you can't control your temperature, things can go haywire on you. Oh, yeah. And... and Absolutely. I I think I've
7: said that three or four times on here. Uh, That was the one thing that I did that made the biggest difference in my mead. Uh, I I bought one of those little refrigerators like kids have in college dorm rooms. Put a thermostat on it, it, a five gallon bucket fits right in it. Yeah and that was the biggest leap forward that i made yeah. in making better meat yep.
0: yeah and uh, you know uh i've got a couple of little rube, uh, rube goldberg gadgets uh temperature control deals uh that i made with copper tubing and uh wrapped around the uh, glass cut the big five gallon glass carboys. i've even got a uh, uh a uh Crap! It just went off. You know, a little plug. No, no, no. It's 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 a it's a thermo because uh, it's digitally controlled. Uh, Thermocouple. Thermal couple that goes down into this little stainless steel thing that's in the bung. It goes down into the mead, so it starts to pump when it gets a I minute, mean, and it's steady at sixty degrees. Uh, it's even been down I could take it down as far as fifty-five degrees with this little Rube Goldberg uh, contraption that I've got. So I, I'm able to age at 60 degrees, keep it cool, uh, which helps the sediment and, and everything else, uh, uh, and I can also ferment at pretty much any temperature I want. So that overcoming that was the biggest thing for me. So uh, with that out of the way, now I can start working on some of these other things like you know this pumpkin thing was as much a com- an experiment for me as it was this community project for the show um, and i certainly intend on making more traditionals uh you know before i get into making melomels and pine and all these other things so i want to get good at that first so and that's another thing i would recommend to people too i mean it, I mean, I guess it's okay to start wherever you want to start, but um, I absolutely believe in in what I was told that, you know what, learn to make good traditionals first when you can get really good at that, uh, because that's your base for everything else. So, you know, if you want an awesome tasting Melomel, first make an awesome tasting traditional. And for me, that's, you know, my belief that that's where it starts. So.
7: And there's more than one skill involved there, too. It's not just the mead making. It's being able to select the right honey. And yes. that's the biggest problem I have is <laughs> trying to decide what what is this going to taste like when it's fermented down.
0: Right. Yeah. So uh, the pumpkin project, uh, you know, it's, it's struggling. Uh, and I know that uh, over the last four or five days, I haven't put anything in the notes because not a lot really has been happening with it Uh, the SG has come way down Uh, it's still fermenting however I'm not quite sure how far this is gonna go the yeast that was used was d21 um, 16 grams of it and um, you know I I thought it would stop fermenting somewhere around maybe 030 025 uh, but it's not it's still going. (laughs) so (laughs) um so it just loves to eat sugar i guess so but we'll keep an eye on it uh we're gonna see this thing through and uh as intended it'll go into a uh, you know a, a carboy, glass carboy for aging and then uh we're going to uh you know rack it a few times uh we'll dump it onto some candied yams we'll add our spices and you know possibly i don't want i don't like the idea of back sweetening I would rather have that up front and be able to deal with it at that time rather than because I don't want I don't want it tasting like pumpkin honey I want it tasting like pumpkin uh, or pumpkin pie or something you know so but we may have to back sweeten it uh, down the road but we'll see um, something else I wanted to get into briefly before we get on with the ask Oscar segment uh, which is kind of cool because, uh, and those of you out that are thinking about entering your your uh, experiment, <laughs> your mead, uh, like me, into a a competition, it's, he, Oscar's got some pretty good advice uh, that he talks about. But um, I thought for a minute, uh, you know, name that nutrient, uh, and are they really all created equal? That's a I mean, you know, ladies, it's kind of a, a quandary for me because, you know, I've got two local, actually three local brew shops in my area that I that I go to, and all of them have different nutrients from different, uh, you know, people. None of them, however, have the firm, Firmade brand, but... They all seem to have this Brewcraft, L.D. Carlson, Furmax, uh, this max, that max, uh, you know, one called Superfood. Um, Are they all the same thing, or are there very distinct differences? Uh, This may be an Ask Oscar question.
1: Well, I think it might be a uh, panel question. Maybe we get to... Mm -hmm two or three other mead makers on there and have a discussion or we
3: go to the suppliers and figure out if they will give us information on what's actually in all of these things
1: or we could bring them in and let them talk about their stuff
3: yeah that'd be an idea too
1: yeah i mean i I wanted i want to get outside i mean i love the meteries don't get me wrong but i also want to bring in cork people and 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 uh fermenting or uh uh, yeast nutrient people and I love to get the yeast manufacturers on
0: well yeah because there are, I mean it, and it goes beyond just the yeast nutrient I mean, it goes into the energizer that you uh, that you mix some uh, some you just mix into a sorority toss it in I've heard uh, and seen other recipes, just, you know, just toss it in, dry into your mead. I have heard uh, Oscar talk about, you know, mix it up in a sorority in 100 grams of water. Uh, You know, I I mean, there are... The reason for
3: that is so you don't get an explosion.
0: Well, and there's what, apparently
3: what happens when you drop powder into a fermenting mead can be kind of really exciting sometimes.
0: Yeah, especially yeah. if it has a lot of dap in it. I found that out.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, actually, pretty much anything that's a powder, if you put it into a fermenting mead that you haven't like aerated and degassed a little bit first, can get really exciting.
7: Yeah.
0: But I, uh, you know, is there a preference, uh, AJ? that you use is there one that you find better than any other or i how, how use you, what my brew shop carries
3: because i don't like ordering stuff online because i'm kind of a luddite that way
0: Vicky, how about you what do you what do you do for nutrients um
1: i i'm pretty traditional i use dap and fermade k you know i mean i i start out with the oh god i want to say it's the fermade k because you know to kick off my starter and then um and Go then from, you know you mean yeah, go, firm? go firm? Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I use dab for MK in the feeding uh, process. But I mean, I'm I'm pretty. I've always been pretty simple in my mead making. I don't get into the chemistry. I never liked chemistry. I flunked chemistry in college, (laughs) so um, I just—it's so much of it is like work for me, and I don't want my mead making to turn into work. And despite uh, the fact that Pete leans on me because I take such a simplistic view, um, I do follow basic (laughs) fermentation management techniques, and I mind them. I'm going to be here for at least two weeks so I can stir it every day. If I'm going to be gone for even two days, like I am this weekend to go shooting, I'm not going to start a mead because I don't want to take a chance that it's going to, you know, blow out the airlock or something while I'm gone.
2: Right.
1: You know, so I, I am very stickler there, but I'm very simple in my additives and nutrients. You know, I don't add, I don't add any uh, pH lowering or increasing things unless I have no choice. And I try very, very hard to not have to face that choice in the first place.
0: Chris, uh, what do you use for nutrients? And do you have a specific brand that you like better than any other, or how do you treat that?
7: I just use the Fermade K uh, for the nutrient, and I use GoFarm to rehydrate the yeast. Uh, I've gotten completely away from that. I have a weird palate, and I can taste it. So Some got people a can,
1: yeah. It. Yeah, I and like that I, I one through a certain it. yeast, Chris, so I totally get that
7: yeah i uh yeah you know, i just quit using bath altogether i just use the Permade k it takes more but uh, uh you have to get it in a little bit earlier uh you don't want to get past the one third definitely not the one half uh sugar break because it's got so many vitamins and things in it that it will leave a little bit of a, a vitamin taste if you leave it if you put it in too late yeah. uh but get it in early uh and uh, that's all I've been using
0: is there um, are, are these all these nutrients is there a difference between all of them or is there anything I mean what do we know I mean I know we don't know all the chemical makeup and everything else but uh, you know I mean off the top of our heads is, is there one that do you think is any better than another or are they pretty much basic all made of the same stuff
1: I think it depends on the recipe you're using and personal preference, really. I mean, it's like Chris says, he can taste,
2: yeah.
1: um, you know, certain stuff. So, he doesn't use yeah, it. if that he can he taste can it taste up it. and you don't like it, don't use it. Then don't use it, yeah. Um, I tend to stay away from, um, oh, crap, Montrachet yeast. It used to be one of my very favorite yeasts, the uh, Red Stars Montrachet, And um, it's a great yeast. It's very sturdy. It puts up a lot of crap or puts up with a lot of crap and, and produces a pretty good mead. But you could, um, you could, you know, you could uh, take that now and if somebody uses it and I've had it uh, come across my table when I'm judging, I recognize it instantly. And it's gotten to the point where it's something that I'm
2: not,
1: it's not my favorite. I'll drink it, you know, especially if it's a really good mead, but I can recognize it and it kind of bugs me. You know, Hmm. I don't know why, but it just does. It never did before, but I picked it up over time. So I don't use it when I'm, when I'm fermenting now.
7: Okay. Yeah. And the Permade K, uh, it does have some dap in it. Uh, Yes. I think it has enough, I think it has enough to keep the yeast healthy and, uh, but it's not enough to taste. So it's a good compromise for me.
2: Yeah, I've
3: been myself going more and more towards more Energizer rather than more DAP. I started out, when I first started out, I'd never heard of yeast Energizer, so I only used yeast nutrients, which was DAP. And so I've gone sort of from using only DAP to using mostly um, Energizer instead of only DAP. and i sometimes go back and forth on what uh what proportions i use and i don't personally find it makes that big of a difference but then again i've also never really done side-by-side batches and i don't have a very sophisticated palette
0: yeah okay well and it's uh you know on the on the uh, off chance that we might be able to get uh oscar in on a live session this might be a pretty good segment for uh uh you know to run through with him uh and get a little deeper into it but uh Vicki still would like to talk to, you know, some of the manufacturers uh, and have them explain their product to us and, uh, you know, uh, learn more about it for sure. Yeah, I can tell you, I don't know where I heard this. It may have been Oscar talking about it, but
7: the uh, the difference between the DAP and the Permade K or the uh, uh, organic and inorganic nitrogen uh they actually prefer the DAP, which is the inorganic, and they will assimilate it quicker. Uh, but the thing is, it's not as healthy for them. So it's sort of like someone eating junk food or health food. Uh, <laughs> yeah. most, people, most people would rather have a candy bar. Uh, it's quick energy, but it's not as good for you in the long run. Yeah. So they may be a little bit slower to ferment with just the Fermade K or just the organic nitrogen. It may take them a little longer to assimilate it, but they'll be healthier in the long run. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, uh, you know, I mean, this is uh, probably a discussion that could go on uh, for, you know, longer than what we have time for here tonight. But uh, I think what we're going to do, ladies, and uh, Chris, we're going to step away. Let's take that commercial break. When we come back, it's Ask Oscar. Stick around. We'll be back. If you're a mead maker you need gotmead.com it is the absolute best and most complete resource for mead making you will ever need the form consists of recipes discussion on equipment techniques and methods complete with its own batch calculator gotmead.com offers everything you need to start making mead today and for just 25 dollars a year as a patron member you'll have access to proven award winning recipes fermentation management equipment discussion and a whole lot more gotmead.com sign up today if you're a mead maker, a book you need to have on the shelf is Mad About Mead by Pamela Spence. Look for it. Grab it. If you can, it's been out of print for a while. But if you can find it, add it to your library. And while you're at it, check out PamSpence.com. Pamela is an active storyteller, author, community minister, and is an editor for local newspapers in Columbus, Ohio. You can find her most recent book, Glad Rags, Red Panties, Cowgirl Boots, and A Sweet Dress to Die For at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Please visit PamsFence.com for more. Hey, this is J.D. Webb from Got Mead Live. You know, it's all about the mead here at Got Mead. And I have to tell you, I am in love with Fling from Moonlight Meadery. The way they balance the tartness from the rhubarb against the semi-sweet strawberry and orange blossom honey is just amazing. Do yourself a favor. Go buy some Moonlight Meadery Meads now. Visit them at their online store at moonlightmeadery.com forward slash store or ask for it where you shop. Demand it where you shop. Ask for Moonlight Meadery Meads. Growing up in a culture where home winemaking was a way of life, Sergio Mutella naturally began making wine himself as an adult, finding his way into brewing beer and eventually his discovery of mead. Earning numerous mead-making awards, Melovino opens his doors, becoming the first meadery in the Garden State. Featuring 20 different craft meads with amazing variety, Melovino is the fastest-growing meadery in the country. Melovino offers tastings and tours every weekend, and all of their meats are available online, shipping to 22 states across the country. Go to Melovino.com and book your tour and tasting today, located at 2933 Vauxhall Road near the rear of the Millburn Mall in Vauxhall, New Jersey. Melovino.com. Coming back. Oh, coming back, sorry. Co- coming back, we are back. <laughs> hey! Some of the, uh, I, one, I, I swear, one of these days I am just going to accidentally leave the record button on. And-,
1: and I will so kill you. I'll send, you do know that Pete's my, like, he's my Croatian hitman, right? You know yeah. this. And he lives like 30 minutes from you. All I got to do is pick up the phone, man. Pick up the phone. Do not taunt Vicky, JP. You should know better. I will bring the wrath of Croatia down on your head. You don't want that, trust me. (laughs)
7: You can do a behind-the-scenes edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah That's I got right. Plenty of that, yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: I, got got me yeah, if He's been recording this stuff we got yeah, got me the pirate got sessions. Me the, uh, the outtakes, you know, that could be really fun. The
2: pirate sessions. <laughs> yeah. We, we talk we, about
3: uh, when you
0: think you're not listening. We, we were going to launch right into ask Oscar uh, after the break, but during the break Vicky reminded me that we needed to do a shout out here uh, before we holla. go ahead Vicky.
1: Yeah, um all right. Kuda. Uh, Hamish, you got to tell me one of these days how to pronounce your your forum name. Kuda Pukat, and you can beat me up later for saying that wrong. Hamish, in the real world, and it's uh, K-U-D-A-P-U-C-A-T on the Got Mead Forums, gave us a uh, a shout out for the Eltham and, Eltham and District Winemakers Guild. It's the Australia's largest amateur wine show. And it is going to be no uh 15th of november and uh, i put a link on the page for this show leading to the uh to the website which is amateurwine.org.au and it's going to be in um looks like it's going to be in baleen and i'm sure you aussies know where that is because i don't but anyway it is the australia's largest amateur wine show so if you're down under or you're going to be down under Go check us out because there's going to be over 500 wines available for tasting. Uh, there's going to be a separate boutique professional class, which should be interesting. Amy, she got to let me know who enters that. And um, they're going to have uh, gold medal and major award winning mi- uh, wines on the tasting. They're going to have artisan cheese sales, artisan olive oil sales, and samples for both of those. And uh, they've got uh, really reasonable entry fees and there's also even a souvenir wine tasting guide you can take with you. So, lots of good stuff. Uh it almost kind of sounds like the major cup down under, which I think is super awesome. I'm so glad to see you guys doing this kind of stuff. And uh you know, go go see it. The the link is on the page. It's amateurwine.org.au. So, um go see. And if you're going to Australia, definitely go see. If you're in Australia, go see.
0: Kudu, uh, Kudu a putty cat, uh, he's actually going to get another <laughs> shout out later in the show. Uh, I, did, I forgot that Hamish was Kudu a putty cat. Or You're sucking so <laughs> It's anyway, Kuda, hey.
1: he, he, he spelled it out for me. He says, Kuda shoot or shoot. I'm not sure if it's a hard C or soft C. He says that was really close. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't speak Australian. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Here <laughs> G'day, hey, Hamish,
1: and uh, hope that plug was good for you.
0: <laughs> Here's Ask Oscar. He's talking about competitions. We'll see you in about 30 minutes.
5: Welcome. To another edition of Ask Oscar, and today uh, Pete is going to talk about entering competitions. We kind of got into this in the last show a little bit, but we ran out of time and couldn't do more with it that we wanted. We get a lot of questions on Got Me and uh, on you know in the forum and on the web pages about entering competitions, and Lord knows the Major Cup gets hundreds of questions every year about entering competitions. So. I think it's time we did sort of uh, you know, competition one oh one course. I don't know what you want to call it, Pete. <laughs> how
6: about how about some tips for, you know, thinking about entering competitions and what to enter and how to enter and
5: uh and there you go derailing my whole college thing, but fine. <laughs> 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 fine, fine, we'll do it that way. Yeah. Um but yeah, so let's let's talk about that. Um give yeah, yeah, I mean I know a lot of people who, you know, they go to enter a competition, but they they don't know what to expect. I mean, that's a lot of them just don't know.
6: Right. So each competition is generally run by a a brew club or a homebrew club or a group of people or you know an organization, and you know most of the most of the Homebrew competitions we see here are are sponsored or ran by a homebrew club or a um, cooperative of several homebrew clubs. I just judged a couple weeks ago a Pacific Brewers Cup out here in California, and uh, that's run by um, several different brew clubs. And each year, one of the brew clubs, whether it's Strand Brewing or Pacific Gravity um, or any of the other clubs that are sponsors um, of that particular event, um, it's hosted by each one of those in a different place each year. And they do a great job. They've got great people and we had, you know, just a great time. And so one of the, one of the best things to do if you want to enter competitions is to join one of your local homebrew clubs. Take a look at the homebrew clubs that are out there. Um, they'll usually have like a forum or, you know, some kind of web presence out there that you can go out there and look at them. Sometimes they're on Facebook. Sometimes they're in other groups where you can go out, look at the organization, look at what they're up to. You know, do they have active need makers? If so, um, you know, get in touch with them, find out what they do. And, and the other thing about it is it's a great place to find out about when competitions are actually going to happen. A uh, great resource, because if you've got an active home group club, they're going to want to be entering competitions um, that are in the local area and some further off where they can get out there and get points for their club by entering competitions Um, another great thing about entering or joining a club is that generally there's going to be people there that are going to want to take the BJCP uh, beer judge certification program and also the lead judge certification program and so that gives you kind of a good view of what's going on not only with uh, competitions but getting yourself qualified to sit down and start judging and going through the uh the learning process and taking the classes that are available to uh to learn how to judge beer and mead um, learning about off taste off flavors they actually have a uh a portion of that uh education where they will uh send your club uh, certain off flavors uh to spike your beer or mead with in order to be able to say oh yeah that's you know that's got some real bad uh Flavor in it, and that is you know A B C, and it's caused by this. You know, if it's fusily, it's like hey, you gotta gotta manage the temperatures on your fermentation. If it's you know if it's got these you know plasticky or phenolic flavors, you have gotta you know do this, that, and the other thing. So, but taking a look at the brew clubs that are around your area, um, deciding on one that you think will work with you, and vice versa, um, finding out. You know, what kind of competitions they enter? Do they sponsor competitions? And getting involved by stewarding and, uh, you know, judging as well. Um, that's one way. That's, that's part of getting heck to competitions and what they're all about and, and how to enter. Well, how do I actually enter a competition? Well, first you've got to find out where the competition is. And that's why I suggested homebrew clubs. Um, there's also a lot of local homebrew stores out there. So you can go to their website, and a lot of times they'll advertise on the website when there's a uh, homebrew competition coming up. Um, You can go to Beertown.org, the American Homebrewers Association, and they have a, a very complete listing of the different homebrew competitions that are out there, where they are, what the entry rules are for them, and so on and so forth. And then you can go to the individual website for each of the competitions and find out what particulars there are. Do they take mead submissions? Do they take, you know, beer submissions? Do they take cider submissions? Once you've identified a couple of competitions, then you want to kind of learn about the competition itself, which clubs run it, um, what they do. Do they have um, a separate best of show for beer and mead and cider? Um, Is it just one best of show? Do the organizers, um, I, I know there's a couple of competitions out here in California where, it's actually been stated out there in front and notoriously that a mead will never win best of show at this competition. This is a beer competition. Well, I not want to enter. Yeah, probably don't want to enter that competition. And so those are the kind of things that you need to know before you enter anything. Um, so you got to do some footwork on that. Uh, get to know other people in the clubs. Uh, get to know your folks down at the local homebrew shops. Uh, Uh, you know, search around on the web on the different resources that are available through the American Homebrewers Association and their website that has competition information in it. And, uh, you know, talk to some of the people locally around there that you brew with that uh, may be involved in like I said, homebrew shops or uh, uh, homebrew clubs and such and find out which competitions they enter and if they, you know, if they feel they got a fair shake at those competitions, you know. Let's face it, Mead and beer is expensive to make, and so if you're going to be, you know, spending money on honey and and making something that's, you know, pretty expensive to to step into and make, then, you know, if you're going to be making entries at uh, three beer bottle-sized entries to to most competitions out there, you you want to select carefully and wisely. So um, you're going to want to sit down and do all of your research, find the places, target the competitions you want to enter. Now that you have all that done, so what are you going to enter? You know what? What is it that you're making there? Is it worthy of entry? Well, I think anything's worthy of entry, especially, you know, if you're making need and you're the only feedback you're getting is your friends who are liking it because it's getting them drunk, and you who are liking it because it's giving you a buzz, and you think it tastes pretty good. Well, how do you know if it's actually any good? Well, competitions are your best way to do that, and so that's why you know kind of cuddle back to finding out about the competitions that are local to you and, and within reason, um, finding out about them, who sponsors them, what they're all about. Do they have separate prizes for mead and beer categories? Um, do they have any you know certified mead judges that are coming in there to judge for them? Do they have experienced mead judges? Do they have just people who like to drink mead but don't really know anything about it? Um, those are all good things to find out before you enter. So, you know that's the upfront work is finding out about the competitions and where everything is, and you know who the who the players are in those competitions um Once you've identified a competition um then it's time to sit back and take a look at your stock. What do you have? what's ready? How young is it? How old is it? Has it been aging for a while? Does it taste good you know are you do you have questions on it um I think a lot of people only enter stuff that they want to win. And I think that's fine for them. But if they want to improve their mead making and get questions answered, then my advice would be to take the stuff that is, you know, you're tasting it going, yeah, there's something going on with that, but I don't know what it is. I mean, I did everything right, at least by the recipe. You know, what is it that is off about this that shouldn't be off? Did I do something wrong with the the fermentation was it too hot was it too cool did i use the right yeast did i use the right honey did i you know use too much nutrient or too little nutrient why does it taste like you know sulfur so those are things that you have to run through your head and get an idea of you know do i want to take the safe bets and send them in there and get positive feedback or do you do i want to solve some problems do i want to enter the stuff that I feel that I need to improve on and get advice from people who actually know on how to improve it. That would be my choice. If if there's things that, you know, I want to go and learn about the best thing you can get back from a judge is not only a, you know, an acknowledgement of, yeah, that's, there's something going on here and it looks like it's this. And, you know, so how do you solve this? Well, You know, make sure that you're adding nutrient. Make sure that you're managing the temperature. Make sure that you're managing the pH. Look at the drop in fermentation rate, you know, as it goes on. Does that mean that it's done or almost done? Does that mean I need to rack off of the yeast now? You know, am I getting off flavors because I'm leaving it on the yeast too long? Did I need to leave it on the yeast longer? You know, all of those kind of questions. Um, I know that there's people out there that, uh, at home, will make a bunch of mead, and they'll go through it and kind of select all of the stuff that they know is good, and that's all they're ever going to enter is the best stuff they can in the competition. They're focused on winning a medal or winning a best of show, um, and that's fine, too. You always do that. Uh, those people aren't necessarily interested as much in getting feedback on what they made and what the faults are, um, as much as they are in finding, yeah, this is a great mead. Here's a medal, um, and that's fine too. You know that that's what competitions are for—is for people to win medals, um, and and get some accolades. Uh, in a lot of cases, mead makers who enter a lot of these competitions now are, are looking to up their game so they can go professional. And that's another thing. Hey, if you're if you've got a meadery on your list of things to do and start up then you want to take your uh, your uh, core competency recipes and submit them, get feedback on them, and do that for a few years until you find out which ones are the ones that are going to be consistent winners and then enter your competition with that in mind. Um, another thing that makes joining a, a homebrew club um, advantageous for people that want to enter competitions is you can take, if you've got six meads that you want to enter, you can take those to one of the meetings and say, okay, guys, let's sit down and go through these. Which of these stand a chance of winning a medal and which of these don't stand a chance of winning a medal? So let's go through them individually. You know, I've got a traditional dry here. How does it taste? Um, and people that have entered competitions before, people in the homebrew club that are judges, uh, and people that are you know knowledgeable about mead and mead making, Those are all significant advantages to have on your side. It's like, hey, I really like this one. I want to enter it. And everybody goes, oh, wait a second. You've got some, you know, diacetyl going on here. Or, you know, there's some other issues here with, you know, higher alcohols and and fusel flavors and such. uh, You're finding out right there before you enter it and spend your six, seven, ten dollars, however much it's going to be for that particular competition. Um, to save you a little bit of money and say, hey, you know, what you're going to get back on this is that it's got these flavors and in order to to not have these off flavors in it, you know, you have to change how you're making your mead and this is how you change it. Um, the other thing that's kind of good um, is, you know, being able to sit down with your club and people that are knowledgeable about mead and have them go through the things that you're making and give you some heads up before you actually do enter. So. When you enter it, you're going to have a better category of need, um, a better class of need, I should say, to enter into that competition with a better chance to win. Um, You're still going to get valuable feedback as well. Even if you're making a a good solid need, there's probably room for improvement on it. And that's what the judges who are going to be judging your needs will give to you as far as comments coming back and ways to improve. Um, And... Having knowledgeable people about mead and mead-making your homebrew club will go a long way toward getting you into that position in the competition where you can win something. Um, the other thing uh, that I talked about briefly is uh, stewarding and learning to judge. Um, if you join a homebrew club that sponsors a competition and they have a mead category in it, um, my suggestion would be to um, volunteer to help, uh, whether it's set up, breakdown, stewarding, um, you're going to learn a lot about how competitions work. You're going to learn a lot about, you know, when the competition entries are received, where they're stored, the process of uh, unboxing them, identifying them, categorizing them, and making sure that the entries that were shipped are received and accounting of what's been received and what hasn't. If there was breakage, uh, notification out to the, the folks that have entered and notifying them that hey we got two bottles but one of them was broken in transport. Do you want to send another one? We've still got two weeks before the competition, yada yada yada. Um, there's a lot that goes into putting on a competition. Uh, there's a lot that goes into knowing what you should enter the competition. Um, what categories? Well the other thing that's good about having a home group club that sponsors a competition is they can tell you which categories were, you know, highly contested, you know, had the most entries. Um, from the, the Maser Cup, I can tell you it's generally uh, Melomels, Berry Melomels, other Melomels, and open category meads. Where um, mouth. We, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, if you're making a, just like a straight up Berry melamel and entering it in the Berry melamel category, that's great. But if you got something that's a little bit off, kind of like a uh, an oak traditional mead, well, that's kind of taken on a whole new meaning nowadays in the competition ranks. If you're going to be in there competing with an oak traditional, that's going to fall into the other category. Of course, the I, um, off the top of my head, I don't remember which new category that's going to fall into. But if that puts you in one of the categories where there's a lot of entries, you know, an oak traditional is not going to get the same kind of you know, attention that a a spiced blackberry, farkleberry, gooseberry, chipotle chocolate mead is going to get, you know, um, if it's done well, if it's executed right. So you really have to also kind of meter the kind of meads you're going to enter into which category, especially if it's a category that's wide open, where there's going to be a lot of, you know, crazy stuff going on in some of the meads that are there. Um, in many cases, traditionals get very much overlooked um, yeah. because people in in competitions, and this is something I'll come back to, um, are looking for like wildly crazy kind of stuff with lots of different you know uh, you know executions of the uh, the ingredients. Um, and sitting at the table, I'll see like. Somebody enters something like a, a methaglen that's just like a cinnamon-spiced cinnamon, a cinnamon spiced mead. And they go, yeah, there's cinnamon in there, but I'd like to see a lot more of it. And in a lot of cases, they're passing over the fact that this is a, a, a brilliantly executed mead with a lot of subtleties, a lot of layers, a lot of complexity, a lot of good um, structure. And it just gets passed right over. It's all like, Whoa, oh, here's a chocolate chipotle mead. Taste this. Oh, it's all chocolate and chipotle and a little bit of honey in there. Yeah, that tastes great. You know, and all of a sudden, this this wonderfully complex and, and really well-executed, you know, simple cinnamon spice method one gets overlooked because there's somebody flashier, you know, it's got a bigger, flashier, newer car. So yeah. Obviously. Well, and so, um,
5: if I, can I interject something here? Yeah. Um it it comes to mind and I don't know how many we had a little bit of this conversation last week is that remember when you're entering you're meeting a competition that all judging is subjective because what people can what judges are able to perceive and define varies from person to person what you perceive and define as the the good characteristics and the faulty characteristics of a particular need are going to be different than what I have or what Ken Tram has or what Andre has. So there's a lot of subjectivity in there, partly due to just people's taste buds reacting to a greater or lesser degree, as well as, especially with newer judges, and honestly with some that have been doing it for a long time too, what you get is, the fact that what you personally like, maybe you love a huge chocolate chipotle, flashy, flashy need, and the, the subtle cinnamon just doesn't do anything for you. So it's hard to divorce your personal preferences from from what you're judging. So as a person entering, be aware of that and know that it's, you know, they're not picking on you specifically. They're speaking through their experience, their you know, subjectivity and their ability to divorce their personal taste from what they're judging.
6: Right. And, you know, one of the other things that I see a lot at the tables is in a lot of cases, if you, if you enter something that's got a lot of ingredients in it, then in most cases that I've seen sitting at the judging table with every judges, they're gonna be like, yeah, they called out cherry and they called out chocolate and You know, that's there, but it's really, really not representing the way that I think it should be. So you get a a couple of different kinds of judges. You get judges that are good at recognizing subtleties and integration and layers and complexity and structure. And you get judges that if you said that this is a chocolate chipotle mead with raspberry, they want to see all three of those things represented at the same level. And they're not looking for subtlety or structure or layer. It's all like, do I taste chocolate? Yes. Do I taste raspberry? Yes. Do I taste chipotle? Yes. Okay. That's a good mead to me. Um, so you have a gamut of judges there who are looking for things uh, and subtleties and, and really nice, you know, layered integration and complexity and judges that are just looking to get beat over the head with the ingredients and this is one of the things about competitions that's kind of tough: is you get all kind of judges. But he was alluding to uh, subjectivity as far as judging goes. That plays a heavy part. Um, most judges that I've sat with in in different you know homebrew competitions, uh, I'll call out the Maser Cup as an exception to that. Is um, while they they appreciate and enjoy a really well executed mead, Uh, In all of its, uh, you know, parts and how it becomes a greater the 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 parts equal um, greater than the sum of the total parts that are into it. They're also looking for, you know, hey, he called it out on the on the entry sheet. It's got this, 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 and this, and I only taste these three things. And if this isn't in it, then I don't want to push it forward. Yeah. Um, And in some cases, they completely miss that these three things combined um work together to give you this overall flavor and this overall complexity and so in in some cases judges um, don't really get that and so you know you really you really have to pick and choose what you enter if you've got something that's full of subtleties and it's just you know a a wonderful need it might not be the mead that you want to enter in a certain category because it's not going to be as flashy as some of the other stuff that's in that category, especially in the open category. Um, so just be aware that judges have not only different uh, different views on what a mead should be, but different palettes, uh, different approaches to you know what's being entered. You know, if there's multiple ingredients um, in most cases judges are going to want to see all of those ingredients represented in in either equal or supportive roles and while we're talking about that let's let's talk about you know what constitutes a, a well balanced need um to a judge and again it's going to be different for each judge but for me um if i'm judging uh let's say a berry category a berry melomel category and uh somebody gives you know, has entered a a blackberry, uh, marionberry, um, melomel. You know, I'm a lot of people are looking for blackberry flavor, and you know, as as a mead maker and a winemaker, I look at that and go, "That's great," and I like the idea of the blackberry flavor, but I'm not looking for mead with blackberry juice added to it. In other words, um, having the blackberry flavor in there through the primary and in the secondary fermentation it's going to be different than fresh blackberry so a lot of judges are looking for fresh blackberry flavor I've heard the comments before at the table so like well this doesn't really taste like blackberry it tastes more like wine well hey if you ferment blackberry juice it's blackberry wine yeah and ferment blackberry juice and mead it's blackberry mead with you know hints of that blackberry wine kind of character yeah you as a judge, you have to step back and say, well, yeah, this is, you know, this is a, this is a product that was fermented with, you know, honey. And so does that mean it's necessarily going to have a fresh blackberry taste? Not necessarily. Is it great when it does? Sure. Is it bad when it doesn't? No, it's up to the, to the individual judge. And so that's where as a judge, uh, you see a conversation moving in that direction. You have to take a step back and say, listen, um we don't know what the fermentation process was here. We don't know how they did it. We don't know if they just added juice to it in the secondary and that's why it tastes like fresh fresh blackberries or not. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not something that we need to use as a criteria as much as you know, what what level of quality is this mead? Um do the different aspects of it, the fermented portion flavors of the blackberry and fresh flavors of the blackberry, do they integrate? Do they bring structure and complexity? Do they bring a nice complex kind of wash along the palate? Is there a nice long finish? What's the mouth feel like? Is it hot from alcohol? Is it is it prickly or tart from the acid in the fruit? You know, are those things all in balance? And so it's very difficult for people who aren't Trained as judges and who don't have experience as judges to really, you know, suss that out through the competition and through the judging process. So it's, you know, one of the things you have to be aware of when you're entering is what does my mead taste like? Is it a big blackberry bomb? It'll probably do pretty well. Um, is it more subtle? Are the flavors of the blackberry less out there in front? Um, uh, is it, uh, you know, well integrated with the honey? And that's kind of the problem in a lot of competitions is that things that are executed really subtly and done really well and have a lot of layers of complexity to them, um, I haven't seen do as well as the big, obvious, hit somebody over the head with a bat kind of flavors. And so I really. <laughs> I make- have,
5: <laughs> I have to say that some of those big hit you over the head with a bat flavors are some of my favorites, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they would pull, you know, top marks in a competition. But yeah, and I think this ties back a little bit too for the entrance, the person who's putting the meat in, is, and and we had this come up and he actually contacted me after the show, the um, gentleman who was asking about, I'm not even sure what I'm tasting. You know, I know I taste something, but I can't put a name to it. And I think that loops back to the, what you were saying earlier, um, You have to know what you're looking for, and the best way to do that is to taste and judge if you can, needs yourself.
6: Right. Yeah. Go ahead.
5: I was just going to say to to get involved at that level. For me, I mean, I've been judging needs for, I don't know, close to 20 years now, I guess. And um, I'm still, there's so much I don't know, and I know this. But, at the same time, there's so much I have learned. There's so much that is different for me now when I taste something, when I make something and I taste it. Things that I was giving to my friends back when I was just, you know, a newbie meat maker and, and had never entered a competition and all that kind of stuff that I was giving to my friends, I look back on that now and shudder at the horrifying needs that I gave to them because I didn't know, you know. I didn't realize how bad they tasted. Because I didn't know. So I think that if you can get involved at that level to a local competition to volunteer and maybe have the opportunity to sit with the judges and hear what they have to say. And if and if they allow it, you know, judge along with them as a sort of trial thing, you know, to, to get the hang of it, which they we do that as a major pub, you know. Right. And I think that's an amazing way for people to learn and it does wonders for the industry because people get to taste the really good needs and know what a really balanced, complex, nicely layered need should taste like.
6: Right. And see, that's uh, that's really ultimately where competitions want to be going anyhow is, you know, when they sit down at that best of show table, you want to have the best judges you can find sitting at that best of of show table.
5: I love because it, it. There <laughs> may be that one meat
6: out there. There may be that one meat out there that is just such a well-executed meat that it's it's made it through the metal rounds and deserves to win best of show, but you know, you may have somebody else out there that's just going to stick to their guns about, you know, having that, you know, that pomegranate vinegar, you know, kind of uh experimental meat out there that they just really like it because it's weird. Yeah. Um, well,
5: and but we've had some, and both the home, you know, or in the home competition since we have the BOS table there. It, it's amazing to watch the the interaction that goes on around that because you're not judging for points at that point. You're judging for excellence against all the other needs. Is it in its own self more excellent than the other, however many, what, fifteen, seventeen needs that we have on the table? So, you know. To, to hear that conversation and what they pull out to use as their I think this is the best one because is really fascinating, I think. And, and having been there myself a few times, it's been, a, it's been an amazing exercise in learning and knowledge and just expanding my perception around what works and what doesn't work, not to mention getting to taste, you know, a couple dozen needs that are all at the top of their game.
6: Yeah, the uh, the quality of the stuff on the table is really going to be what you're looking for. And, you know, that's why it's been really great at the Mazer Cup to have, you know, Ken and Andre and uh, Julia, and Susan Redd and Julia, and, you know, a number of other judges that we've had sitting down at the Best Show table. Uh, Ryan Thomas, who uh, runs our home committee now and runs the home competition as well. He's is very well versed in mead and mead making and the subtleties that you run into. And I think this year, um, when we sat down at the Best of Show sure table for home, we came up with a really a really well executed mead that had all kinds of great stuff um going forward. It was a sparkling strawberry off dry mead if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And it was it was good. It was just wonderfully done. I mean, it had the seed astringency was absent, which is excellent, uh, absent, uh, and I mean that in the way that it was absent in the the unfavorable uh, way that it presents in a lot of strawberry needs, but it was there adding complexity. Um, it was creamy. It had great fizz. It had a great strawberry character. It had a wonderful color. Uh, it was just a, an extremely well-executed need, and so we were very, very happy to see that.
5: Um, yeah, okay. so I, I tried that meat, and you know, probably better than you'd like to, that I'm not generally real, uh, real fond of dry meat. It's just not my, not my thing. I just don't care for them that much. I tasted that one, and really, you know, I agreed with all of you guys that it was an amazing meat. But more for me too was that I really liked it. Yeah, you know, and that I was surprised at that. I wasn't expecting to like it. You know, I was expecting to be able to see the excellence of it, but not really care for it personally, you know, and, and I saw that it was a good need even personally. And that is, I think, when you hit the pinnacle of your game, when you've got people saying, well, you know, I don't even like blah, blah, blah type of need. This is amazing. Yep. You know, and they yep. say that from, from the place of like, not from the place of, uh, you know, of objectivity and, and judging the technical aspects of it. So that's, that's, I think, is pretty cool. And that's what you want when you're creating a mead with an eye to possibly entering into competition is not do your friends like it, but do people who are knowledgeable about what a good mead tastes like also saying that it's good.
6: Right. And so, you
5: know, my friends have told me, oh, man, that's amazing. And I go back and look at that now and think, my God, that was terrible. What were they saying? Because they didn't know,
6: right? You know, because they didn't know exactly. It was sweet yeah. and got them drunk, so that was well, good.
5: Well, then they, I, they were my friends, and they were trying to be nice.
6: So you know, yeah, I mean, that's exactly.
5: you know, friends do that sort of thing. So don't go with just that. Get some people who have some background, who've got some skill, and maybe people who have meddled themselves because they'll know what a good meat
6: looks like, tastes like. You know, right. And that's that's the whole thing. And, and going back to the beginning of the question, entering a competition, how do I know? what to enter and where to enter and how to enter Um, you know you know find people around that are knowledgeable about the competitions in your area join a brew club check out your local homebrew competitions find out if the competition has a separate category best of show for mead and beer and cider um find out if you can what kind of judging they have there do they have mead certified judges uh, or is it only beer certified judges um do they get a large influx of meads in their need portion of the competition? Um, sit down with the brew club that you decided to join and test your meads before you enter them. Yeah, this one should do well. This one should do well. Yeah, this one needs some more work here, 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 and here. And so enter with that in mind, you know, putting putting your best foot forward, but at the same time looking for ways to improve and looking for the feedback, because that's what you're going to get that's invaluable on the oh, score yeah. sheets is the feedback from the judges.
5: Yeah. And if you're not and getting,
6: if you're, if you're not go getting good feedback from the judges, you need to let the competition know.
5: Yeah. And if you're asking people for their opinion, man up and take it as positive criticism for which it's intended. That's the big thing. I see, I have seen people and have actually had people email me later because, you know, our names go on the judging sheet. And this doesn't happen often, but they're like, hurt. It's like I gave you my honest opinion. I'm trying to help. And that's all those most judges are trying to do is to help you move to a place of making a better brew, you know, mead beer, whatever it is, and help you get to that place. I and mean, some of the comments I got back from the one and only time I've ever entered a mead is the one at the original Major Cup in Michigan. And it, it came back and uh, lots of comments on the judging sheet, not very many of them positive, but all constructive. And I learned from that, you know, I mean, yeah, it stung a little bit, but I also, when I sent it in, kind of knew it really wasn't all that good. You know, I just wanted somebody else right. to tell me where was I on the scale of horrible versus, you know, you should hang on to this. So, it's it, that's the big, yeah, I mean, I when people ask me to give them an opinion of their need, I flat out, first question I ask them is, do you want me to be nice or do you want my real opinion? Which may be nice, but it may also be critical. I don't know. And more often than not, they go for accurate rather than friendly, you know.
6: Yeah. They want constructive, helpful criticism and that's that's yeah. what it's all about. And so, you know, identify your target competitions, identify the lead that's best to enter in that competition. Uh enter it and look for helpful feedback from the judges and that's you know the primer on entering competitions one oh one from from me, as far as things that I know, other people have different opinions. This is just my opinion. It's not the best. It's not the worst. It's just mine.
5: <laughs> and, you know, I think it's a good it's a good basic policy to follow. I mean, a lot of the stuff you had there, I think there's quite a few people that would agree with you. So, you know, get out there and don't be afraid to enter your stuff. It's good to find out. It's good to get feedback. And uh, it lets you know if you're on the right track with that need or, for that matter, with any need. Because that's the you know the only way to 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 move forward to make a better me is to figure out what's not working and change that.
6: Right. And make sure to enter the Maser cup.
5: Yes, definitely enter the Maser cup. You won't be sorry you did. Um, all right, so guys, that is for one one of our shorter ask authors <laughs> since we started doing this. But uh, thanks, Peter. Really appreciate you taking time out of your Friday morning to come in and you know give us some feedback and some information and
6: happy to do it
5: yeah we'll do something even more interesting next time there you go all right so thanks very much and uh talk to you soon and you know if you do get bored of a tuesday night and just want to pop in a party with us you are you know you're always welcome
6: Okay, cool. In yeah. your
5: copious spare time on Tuesdays, yeah. There
6: you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vicky. I'll talk to you soon, man.
5: All right, Pete. Thanks.
6: Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Ask Oscar.
0: He was talking about uh, competitions, Vicky, and uh, how to enter your stuff into the Mazer Cup.
1: Well, any any competition, really. It was. A discussion of if you're thinking about competing what are the things you want to look at what are the things you want to be concerned about you know because there's drinking mead and there's competition mead and they can be the same thing or they can be different things it really just depends on what your personal tastes are
0: yeah he's got me thinking uh, you know because the, the recipe that I used for my traditional uh, and we've already had this discussion uh, with him even on the show but uh, it was his recipe but uh, he has encouraged me to enter it in the Mazer Cup, I'm not looking for any kind of awards, more for feedback from judges to, uh, you know, let me know how I'm doing uh, with my meat making. Yeah. I but, mean, that's, uh,
1: like he said, the recipe is just the first thing. Right. The person making it, the ingredients that they use, the location they come from, the conditions in the area that, that's being done are all variables that – doesn't matter if the recipe is won every gold medal on the face of the planet. If you ferment it at ninety-five degrees with the wrong yeast, with rotten fruit, and pay no attention to it, it's still going to be a bad meat. Right. You know. I mean. So it's it, it's a kind of a thing. I mean, some of he's some of his recipes. Well, many of his recipes have been made by other people and taken golds and best in shows at other competitions. Yeah. So you know. I mean, he's. He's, he's free with his skills, which I think is really, really awesome. But, you know.
0: Chris, uh, old Mississippi Chris hanging around with us here tonight uh, through the Ask Oscar segment. Chris, have you ever entered uh, any of your meads into a competition? Not yet.
7: Not yet. To, uh, hopefully, hopefully this spring if I can get this one ready.
0: Perfect outstanding well hey uh, as we wrap the show here tonight a uh, big thank you to uh, casey stuck from uh, missouri uh, down down around st james uh, eagles landing and uh, what was the other one called uh, just jump to taste just was to this taste.
1: Oh, that's their uh, their bistro brew pub uh uh mead place with tons of and if you if you haven't been there they've got a huge selection of wine um, they've got their mead, they've got a huge selection of beers, and they've got food, and they hook up with local, other local food and uh, beverage vendors to create a really awesome experience. So if you get down to that part of Missouri, it's very well worth a visit.
0: Absolutely. And uh, usually at the end of the show here, I cruise through the forums and I look for something uh, kind of interesting, and uh, come and up And what did uh, you come up with? An, well, <laughs> a beer robot. <laughs> yeah. I, I saw this. Uh, this is uh, in the hive section and the gotme.com forum. And this is from Sea Child. Uh, he writes uh, For almost two grand, this machine will brew your lazy ass a beer. There is uh, really a machine coming out that sits on your counter and brews whatever beer your app tells uh tells it to so apparently you get this app for your smart hope wait wait wait
1: for two thousand dollars i could fly oscar to my house give him a place to live and feed (laughs) him him for two weeks keep him busy and happy and he would make me an amazing award-winning custom mead or beer and i wouldn't need any machinery and i'd have somebody to talk to
0: well, Sechald uh, goes on to say that uh, you know you could go out and spend the hundred bucks on you know on the ingredients after you add the equipment and uh, you, of course brew your own beer. But uh, I yeah. thought that was pretty interesting, and he's got a link in there you can actually go see this little thing. Uh, that,
1: that turned up on one of my feeds from one of the other guys that does a mead he does a mead sort of newspaper thing online, and I got a link on the Twitter feed about it today and the first article was about that that thing and you know for those of you who maybe are just feeling totally lazy and don't want to actually make your beer but you want to drink good beer and you don't feel like running down to home uh, to to total wine to buy good beer you know for what this thing costs fly the best beer brewer you know to your house put him <laughs> up and feed him tell him what you want and he'll make it for you then you can fly him home and you'll have beer
0: bad. Well, I think one
3: of the other people on the forum I think it was Shelly one of the beekeepers was saying that uh, she's got a little machine that makes beers like that and it's really handy when you have particular styles that you like
1: yeah if you just want to whoop up some beer if I you guess. just want
3: a little bit of something you like and you know you program it and you do the thing and away you go and if you don't enjoy the process of making beer yourself well i guess oh, come don't. on oh.
1: everybody ought to have a boil over on their stove it's fun she'd rather be
3: out playing with her bees <laughs>
1: yeah that's yeah. true
0: yeah chris go ahead no i uh, didn't say anything oh i thought chris said something uh no you know i, I, I suppose that would look uh uh, pretty nice sitting on my new electric desk that goes up and down but anyway <laughs> that's a whole other that's you're a whole other Ikea ball game whore. you're an this, whore. Here's, that, here's the second shout out to uh, Kuda Booty Cat uh, <laughs> in in uh, and and this is a Hamish. Uh, for strange. those of you that don't know, yeah,
3: Hamish is his real name. It life took me three weeks to get my name right. Don't worry about it.
0: He's got a post in the "Post Your Labels Here" thread in the uh, in the Hive section, and there's a photo, a giant photo of what looks to be like a Joe's Ancient Orange uh, uh, and I mean it's it's got the oranges in it so suspiciously uh, looks like a Joe's Ancient Orange something uh, along the lines of a strawberry uh, I think it might be a blueberry uh, sitting there in, in the front and then maybe a traditional or, or something in the back but I'm not worried about those I want to know what's in the little one in between all of them. He's got this little yeah. flip-top bottle uh, that's obviously secreted away in this little brewing chamber that he's got. And I want to know what's in that one. So, uh, I'm uh,
1: asking him. <laughs> still, I've, got him on, I've got him on Skype right now. If you're still
0: up.
7: <laughs> he may be I, listening. I've I, I sure. got a, I well, have a question for you guys. Uh, what is the oldest... Joe's Ancient Orange that you've had?
3: I have one still in the bottle from my very first batch. I haven't tried it yet. I figured I would probably try it on like its 10 year anniversary or something like that. But I've got one 375 mil of my very first batch of Joe's Ancient Orange.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. The uh, little bitty bottle is a Red Gum Chai boche. and I'm getting a bottle of it. (laughs) <laughs> he said you're not being nice to him so he oh. doesn't know
0: if he's gonna give you a bottle
1: because he asked me for addresses and i said i don't know jd you'll have to ask me he's like jd won't talk to me and i'm like okay well,
0: <laughs> I can't, I, it's not that i can't I, I won't talk to you uh hamish uh, i've got my hands literally full here with all kinds of i've got three screens that i have to look at and it's just it's very very difficult for me to uh, respond to people on skype but um Okay, email, so him, I, email
1: him email him Hamish he yeah, responds he, to email most of the time
0: yeah email me or uh, leave me a message on the form or something and I'll be happy to get back to you JD's on Facebook too oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Just be careful uh, he rants on Facebook. That's where he's like <laughs> J.D. alter ego on Facebook. It's kind of scary.
0: We're, uh, it's, we've come to that time, uh, ladies. So uh, Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Next week, uh, we've got Zeb Johnston, Vicki, from Lion's Head Meadery going to join us. Right? Yep,
1: we do. Yeah, sorry, I tried <laughs> to talk to you and Hamish at the same time. <laughs> that's
0: okay. Uh, so uh, be here for that. Uh, beyond that, uh, hey, yeah, uh, Kirk- Lion
1: Lion's Head is actually not open yet. So we've had one that's been open less than a year, one that's been open less than a six months, and so Lion's heads going to be our first. We're in the middle of this metery This should be fun.
0: Yeah. And uh, Chris, uh, again, thanks for uh, sticking around. Uh, always uh, glad to have you a part of the show here. Well, uh, we should just make you a regular uh, and yeah. uh, we'll just get you on uh, in, at, the, uh, at the start of the show. But uh, it's that whole thing thing. I'm
7: trying to
0: keep it down, keep it down.. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hamish, uh, thanks for putting up with us here tonight and uh, you know what I guess we'll see everybody next Tuesday night hey check out gotme.com if you haven't yet get your 25 bucks in get that patron access and then uh, the uh, replay will be up on SoundCloud here uh, probably in the next uh, few few hours or so so go ahead Vicky. Yeah, uh, J.D.
1: lets me know when they go up and when I get up. He lets me know at 3 a.m. my time, so I do it when I get up in the morning, (laughs) Eastern time. But, uh, yeah, you don't have to check Got Me just on Tuesdays. We're around all the other days, too.
0: Yes, we are. Uh, You can get Got Me anytime, anywhere, anywhere, any place. With that, we'll see you next week.